It's the electric chair, Operation Sweet Death. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to The Electric Chair. I'm Midnight Corey, your host, and we talk about all kinds of things in the world of horror. Thank you for listening once again. This is a really exciting show, so my little diatribe here at the beginning is not going to be very long, and in fact, we're just going to launch into things because I have a lot of great stuff for you this week. Once again, it's going to be a, a nice long show for you, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, first of all, I have an author, a sword fighter, uh, and, and a person that appeared actually in the movie Army of Darkness, believe it or not. Uh, her name is Dana Fredsty, fantastic lady. Uh, she wrote a new book called Plague Town, and I'll be talking with her. Um, I have a lot of podcasters on with me this week to talk about horror films. First of all, Tara Toby joins me to talk about Zombieland, because this is a movie that uh, if you've listened to the other podcasts that we did, uh, we were kind of on both sides. Like, I didn't really like Zombieland. He really liked Zombieland, so we finally got together and talked about that, so we had a lot of fun. Um, also, Jay of the Dead and Jamie from Devour the Podcast joined me for a great discussion of a movie that uh, some people actually don't consider horror, and I don't get that, but uh, Troll Hunter is the movie that we talk about, so that was a lot of fun as well. So, great things this week. I just want to uh, mention a few other things before we get into everything. First of all, electricchairshow.com, of course, is the website for the show. And now you can, in fact, upload an MP3 of uh, your feedback or voicemail or whatever you want to do. So go to the contact page on electricchairshow.com, and uh, you can upload right there. So really, really cool. Um, also, uh, twitter.com slash electricchairshow. <laughs> electricchairshow. I had to abbreviate it. Uh, but that's Twitter, so I make all kinds of announcements and talk with all kinds of people on there. Uh, the Facebook page as well, and MidnightCorey.com is uh, where you can find me and all kinds of crazy things going on. So, again, thanks for listening. Let's just get into it right now. You love midnight movies, don't you? <laughs> but can you handle midnight movies 24 hours a day? Your death will be indescribable. Find out on Black Flag TV. The first viral television on the web. Black Flag TV is entirely dedicated to haunting horror, science fiction, and cult movies. Broadcasting live, 24 hours a day, obscure independent movies and classic horror. Make Black Flag TV your sanctuary for the horror genre. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Visit us now. Blackflag.tv Well, you know, I love talking with interesting, really talented people in the horror world. And my guest tonight is certainly no exception at all. Uh, actually, to introduce her, I just want to take a line right off of her website. Um, she describes herself as a novelist and screenwriter, B-movie actress, okay, C-movie actress, zombie aficionado, Exotic and domestic feline advocate, sword fighter, wine lover, and beach glass junkie. So that's quite the list. I'm really interested to talk to her. I welcome to the show Dana Fredsty. Dana, thanks for joining me. 
Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, it's really exciting to talk with you um, because, you know, from what I just said in your introduction there, you're very diverse in your talents and your interests. Um, it's You're it's so interesting to me, and I, I just can't wait to find out more. And, uh, of course, you have a new zombie novel that just came out. We're going to be talking about uh, that here in a few moments. Um, but first, could you just give us a, a little background on yourself? Kind of how would you get into writing? Well, I've written since I was very, very young. I started writing when I was first old enough to string words together. Um, but I didn't start writing professionally. Uh, gosh, I guess it was about... 10, 15 years ago, I did a couple of screenplays, low-budget ones that were produced, some short stories and essays, and then my first novel was published in 2007, and I've been doing novels and uh, stories for anthologies since then. So, awesome. there you have that. That's great, and you've, you've done a lot of film work. Uh, you've been on, actually, uh, it's really interesting, you, were, you had an appearance in Army of Darkness. I, I was actually, I was two things in Army of Darkness. I was both the armorers, the on-set armorer's assistant for the first part of the shoot, and then when they started doing the deadite sequences, I was a sword-fighting deadite and a sword captain, which meant that I helped train the other extras, and I got to do my own choreography for the fights that I did, and that was a lot of fun. Beautiful. You realize you're like a part of history. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, it's that, so weird to me because when we were doing the film, you know, no one had any idea that it was going to be this big cult hit. I mean, so it was really fun to do. And shortly thereafter, like with, when I was with my ex, we were in Norway and he was working on a film over there. And when people found out he worked at Army of Darkness, he had so many free drinks bought for him. And <laughs> in Norway, alcohol is very expensive. So that was no small deal. But but still, it's just turned into this huge cult phenomenon, so that makes it even cooler. Yeah, yeah, and I love your whole sword fighting aspect. I mean, that's really unique. I mean, it, it's something that, uh, again, I don't want to come off as sounding like sexist or anything, but you you, you, you don't really we'll expect <laughs> a lot of women uh, to be as into sword fighting. Um, and, it, you know, it's a rough kind of thing. And uh, have you seen that? I mean, are, in your experience, do you... Do you, uh, I guess, practice or sword fight with a lot of women, or is it mainly like a, a man thing? Well, back when I started, and I really don't want to carbon date myself, but back in the midst of time when I first started sword fighting, there weren't a lot of women. There were some, but, you know, you basically, you had the Red Sonia thing going on. So if you were a female who sword fought, you automatically basically got labeled with all of this baggage, whether it fit your personality or not. Um hmm. As the years went on, I've seen more and more women get into it. Uh, the onset choreographer on Army of Darkness was actually Jan Bryant, who's uh, a woman, and you know she was she was handling pretty much all of that herself because Dan Speaker, who was originally hired to do the choreography, also was working on Hook at the same time. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it is it was definitely kind of sexist um, when I was on Army of Darkness and working on one of the fights. Uh, my partner hit when he should have parried and hit me across the arm and they thought my arm was broken and his reaction to that was to immediately talk about what a crybaby I was behind my back. Um, oh, which really pissed me off because wow. I did not want to go to the hospital but I was I was forced to go there and I was really upset because I thought I was going to be off the shoot and it was my job at the time. I really needed the money plus I was having fun. Luckily, it was just bruised, and I got to go back to work the next day. But if, if it had been a guy that that had happened to, 
there's no way that my partner would have been going on about what a baby I was. So, yeah, there's definitely sexism going on there, but I think that it's, it's getting less and less, and now a woman can sword fight without, you know, you know, you you are Red Sonia, you're a warrior woman, and I will defeat you in battle so I can have sex with you. I mean, <laughs> seriously, that was the attitude back then, so... Oh, I love it. You're 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 break, breaking that stereotype, you know, and uh, oh, absolutely. because you're obviously really good at what you do, and and uh, I, I I have to admit, you know, I, I've never actually seen you uh, a sword fight, but based on the fact that you know Sam Raimi and and the people doing Army of Darkness entrusted you with that role, and you did all your own choreography, I mean. You you got to be talented. I mean, you you got to have it going on there. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I am going to say there's there's many things that I don't have a lot of confidence about when it comes to sword fighting. It's one of those weird random skills that I was born with. I mean, I love to surf, but I suck at it. I love to sword <laughs> fight, and I'm really good at it. So I'll 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 take it. I'll take it. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, you've you've got a great start. Because yeah, oh, with the with the sword thing, I mean, you got it made, you know. It's... If I if I died right away, I would let a lot of people down. They'd be like, "Oh man, if she <laughs> dies, it's yeah. just not right." Yeah, yeah man. If you go early, there's just no hope for the rest of us. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's hilarious, and I love. You know, I knew I knew that we'd get along great before I ever, ever even spoke to you when I found out about your love for zombies. You know, you call yourself a zombie aficionado, and that was music to my ears. Um, awesome. it, it, it's great. So looking, you know, I'm, I'm curious cause there's, there's a lot of debate about army of darkness and then, you know, evil dead, evil dead two. Um, do you think any of those films are zombie films can be classified in the zombie genre? I absolutely wouldn't just because they don't fit the classic George Romero, you know, non-sentient. I mean, deadites have, have brains of sorts, and the ones in the, the first two movies, they're demons, really, more than zombies. I yeah. mean, they're creepy, but I don't really classify Army of Darkness as a zombie movie, um, you know, even even though I guess... Deadites are... I, I sort of like, if a zombie and a demon fell in love and had babies, they'd have deadites. That's uh, yeah. how I look at Army of Darkness. So. That's, that's, that's really accurate. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so, you know, again... There you are. You're you're a Romero zombie lover, um, and which I'm lining up right there. I mean, this is you know we're just lining up, which is great. Um, so we're seeing a lot of fast zombies, you know, and just well zombies. Any sort of variety of zombie is out there because we still have thinking zombies. We have zombies that uh, can can run. They can uh, some of them. They can. They're very athletic. You know, and, and depending on which movie that you that you yeah. see, so um, I take it. Then, are you not into like fast zombie movies, like maybe Zombieland or um, like uh, the Dawn well, of the Zombie Dead remake? Land, in Zombieland, they're actually infected humans more than anything else. So, right. uh, sort of like the Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, they're mad cow disease zombies. It depends on the movie. I mean, I used to just be really anti fast zombies at all because. I was a, a Romero zombie snob purist, if such a thing can exist, and it's kind of embarrassing to look at myself and go, wow, you really took that seriously. <laughs> just, um, but I, I, I still, like, have you seen the movie The Dead? It's a South African movie. You, you've seen that, right? I think you said in our emails that you've seen that. That, to me, oh, yeah. 
proves why slow zombies are creepy. They have no humanity. Those didn't make any noise. But you've got this, this, this wide vistas of Africa, and no matter what shot they showed in that movie, there was at least one zombie there. The hero could not stop to sleep. He couldn't rest because no matter what, there would be zombies there. They just kept coming. That, to me, is creepier than, you know, the the speedy gondolas zombies, those are, I think you're more foobard if you've got the fast zombies because that, that, that sort of takes the fun about it for me too. It's like if you're going to have an apocalypse, you want to be able to raid shopping malls and, and live it up and have some fun. You don't want to die right away. So, yeah, I, I prefer the slow zombies. Yeah, yeah. because I, I, I won't touch anything. Well, you know, so much of the slow zombie thing is, yeah, you can get away and run away from a few of them. And, right. uh, you know, you're, you're all right, but it's, it's when you're cornered, it's when there are a hundred of them, as opposed to just a couple here and there, then that's yeah. when you're screwed whenever you're closed in. But, uh, yeah, with fast zombies, yeah, there is no hope, zero hope and yeah. uh, nothing like that. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Now, if, if we're going to go for science, then physiologically slow zombies do make more sense. I mean, yes, I realize that when we're saying the dead are walking and eating the living, that we're already entering into fantasy land, but <laughs> I still like a little bit of, you know, if you're going to break it down to rigor mortis or to this or that or whatever, then slow zombies just make more sense. So. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, uh, that's right on. Now, uh, I'm curious, uh, does your boyfriend appreciate zombies in the way that you do or, or does he you know at least kind of share that appreciation or do you just kind of drive him crazy with all this zombie stuff well he had never actually seen a zombie movie until he started dating me and now he has seen many of them and he does appreciate them he's not as into them as i am but he will watch them with me he has asked however that i do not play the dead every night um <laughs> that i wait like Maybe once a week. I, I put that on in the background when I'm writing because it's got an awesome score. There's not a lot of dialogue. And it's something that I found is really beneficial for me when I'm working on Plague Nation. And again, the music is just gorgeous. And you can't get the soundtrack. But he, he's learned to live with zombies in his life, I will say. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really cool that you introduced him. And now he's, you know, he can get into it, you know. Maybe not as big of a fanatic as you are, but, you know, at least... Very few are, very few are, you know, that's okay. I get that too. I get that too. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Now, Plague Town, let's talk about this because this is really exciting. Um, I was reading about it and I'm definitely going to pick it up at some point because it looks really great. Um, But this is uh, your your Ashley Parker paranormal slash zombie uh, series, the first book in this series and you're actually working on a second one now which is really cool but uh this one just came out and um tell me a little bit about what plague town's all about well it's about uh ashley parker is a 29 year old divorcee she was married to a professor at this college redwood grove or or big red which is in the little northern california town of redwood grove and she after he leaves her for an 18-year-old student, decides to go back to school just to figure out what she wants to do. And at this point, she has no idea what she's going to do with her life. And she basically starts figuring that out when a zombie outbreak happens within the confines of Redwood Grove and the surrounding area. And she discovers that she's a very small percentage of the population who can get bitten by a zombie and not die. She's actually immune to the virus. And 
she becomes what's called a wild card. Um, and again, these, these people are immune, and not only are they immune, but their senses, their their coordination, their, their sight, their, their sense of smell, hearing is enhanced. They're not like Wolverine or superheroes or anything, but they're just a little bit a little bit more than they were before they were actually bitten, and they can go out and fight without worrying about getting splattered with hot blood or anything like that. They can get bitten again, and they can keep fighting. So she becomes part of a small group that are working to contain this outbreak, and that's basically the, the essence of Playdown. Sounds sounds really cool. Um, and I, I was uh, checking this out on your website and reading everything that I could about it, and I thought it was really cool that uh, you have a blurb for this book up on your website by uh, Roger Ma, who was the yeah. author of uh, the Zombie Combat Manual. I know Roger. He's a great guy. And as far as zombies goes, he's, man, he, he knows a lot more than I do. I mean, he wrote a book about it. So, you know, there you go. But uh, Roger's a great guy. So that that holds a lot of weight there. So uh, how'd, you, how'd you come to get to know Roger? Did you Did you read the book? I read his book, and um, I thought it was really, really good, and I went on Amazon, and there are these reviews that were basically, like, snarking at him about being a ripoff of the Zombie Survival Guide, which I don't agree with at all. I think it no. stands on its own, and there's, there's room for more, and so I, I, I wrote a, my own review, and I actually you know, went on some of the, the negative reviews and just sort of stated my opinion, and we started talking, so when the time came for me to write Plague Town, I thought, you know what the heck, I'll ask him if he'll blurb my book, and he did, so yeah, I'd love to meet him and go to one of his seminars, but I haven't haven't managed to do that yet because we're on opposite sides of the, the country, so oh, okay. yeah, 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 he, he is a great guy. I've emailed him uh, several times, and uh, he, uh, he was so kind, he sent me uh, the Zombie Combat Manual to review on the podcast, uh, at the, the zombie podcast I was doing at the time. And uh, just a great guy. I was blown away. So that was really cool just to see that. I knew him and made that connection. And uh, this is available. You can go to uh, Amazon. It's available on uh, paperback and Kindle. Oh, yeah. And uh, Kindle's the big thing right now. I read everything on Kindle, so uh, I'll be picking it up for that. Um, But you're at work on uh, book two. Do you have kind of a... Kind of a plan for I'm going to write what like a trilogy or how, do you have kind of a plan or are you just going to kind of keep going as it keeps garnering interest? Well, I actually have a contract for three books. Um, I've got a trilogy with Titan Books and I've already been working with my editor Steve Staffel, um, whose nickname, by the way, is Dark Editorial Overlord, and he likes that so much <laughs> he put it on his business cards, which makes me very happy. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we we've got. We've got the basic story arc for the three books uh, already planned out, and I've got my outline for the second one, and I'm hard at work at it and and uh, going through what they call second book syndrome. <laughs> oh. But I'm still working on it. And, yeah, so there's going to be at least three Ashley Parker books, and then we'll see what happens after that. Awesome. Awesome. So you're feeling pressure now uh, for the second book. Do you feel like you'd, you just got to kind of, of, of prove yourself and – kind of keep the momentum yes. going that you, you found in the first book? Well, it's, it's kind of scary just because the first book was, the, the first draft of the first book was very easy to write, doing revisions for Titan. It was a lot of work, but I really think it made it a better book, but it really challenged me because I've never had an editor work with me as closely as Steve and as intensely. And 
so now on the second book, uh, my sister's also a writer, and she calls her second book, her, her, her name for it is the book that tried to kill me, trademark, because <laughs> it was just so hard, because the first book did really well, and you just feel like, oh my God, I've got to live up to this. I don't want to disappoint the people that really liked the first one. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I think that the third book is going to be a lot easier to write than the second one, actually. So, uh, uh. Um, And then also, I, I work full-time, and the last six weeks I've been basically spending all my time not working, promoting Plague Town, doing the, the posts uh, online and doing uh, book signings and stuff like that. So it's been a wild, wonderful, and kind of scary time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. But, uh, you know, just to let you know, I'm here to support you 100% and uh, whatever I can do to help you get the word out and really uh, help things along. Here I am. So, uh, you know, this is very, very kind. Awesome. Which means that you shouldn't have to buy a copy of Plague Town. I think that we should send you one. Oh, I don't want to. See, my big thing is I want to support talent. You know, I want to support people that really could use the support. You know, if it was like. You know Stephen King or Neil Gaiman, some you know somebody like that. You know they 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 can afford to hand out a few books and and they can do that. It's a big time. But you, I mean, this is you're hoping to make a living at this, and you're kind of an up and coming writer, and you could really use the support. And so I'd I'd actually much rather go go on Amazon and buy buy a copy and uh, have that support come to you um, uh, that way because I that's just. The, my philosophy and kind of what I think I should do, you know. So you're gonna you're gonna be loved by writers everywhere. I gotta oh, tell yeah. you. Oh <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm buying everything, but uh, no, no, I I really do, and uh, especially as as excited as I am about this one, I, I really want to get it and read it. And again, you know, Kindle, it's a really cool thing because uh, the, you buy it on Kindle, it's a vastly reduced price than what you would pay for a traditional paperback. Um, yeah. do you see, now, I don't know if you, if you've seen stats on what's selling where or, or how much, but, uh, do you see one outselling the other is, is kind of the digital format more popular than the physical format now? A lot of, a, a lot of the books that I, that I've got uh, do very well digitally, um, like with Ravenous Romance, the other publisher I worked for before Titan, um, a lot of people that read spicy romance prefer the digital formats because, you know, they don't have the embarrassing covers of the book giving away what they're reading. Ah, um, there you go. <laughs> as far as Playtown, doing really well on Kindle. It's been doing pretty well in paperback, too, but I think Kindle sales, um, it's, it's been, yeah, my, my, it's probably doing a little bit better on Kindle. And as long as people, as long as you still have hard copies and paperbacks, I'm all for Kindle too. I think that having a mixture is just a wonderful thing. So. Oh yeah, yeah, because there there are still audiences for both. I mean, there there are people yeah. out there who swear by the physical. There's nothing like cracking open that book and having it in your hands, and you know, yeah. being able to dog ear the thing and just you know, there's nothing like having that. And I can see that, but uh, you know, technology just keeps going. And man, the more I use the Kindle, the more I love it. And so I'm. Yeah. I'm slowly but surely going over to that so yeah but it is smart you, you got to go both ways though uh it's just yeah. smart from a from a marketing standpoint and uh, yeah yeah absolutely so um you mentioned you know you you've written in other genres before um you know things like mystery and uh, romance 
And uh, you've actually written a book that I really need to read and that I can really use the advice of, uh, I imagine. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, what women really <laughs> want in bed. I, I figure I could really learn a lot from that. Um, it's, you know, something, I don't know. I did, you know, need to talk to my wife about that, but, uh, well, I have extra copies of that, but I am happy to send you, if, if you insist on buying Playpen, you'll have to let me send you a copy of that. Oh, wow. Well, I might have to take you up on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just use it for good and not for evil. That's oh, okay. no, no, of course. I just, you know, I have my wife in mind and, uh, you know, again, it's something I could definitely use because as, being a man, you know, I'm I'm confused about topics like this, and I'm downright That's clueless. Normal. That's normal. Okay. <laughs> so, what? Why'd you decide to write a zombie book? Um, because you know you've you've written some romance mystery and, and things like that, and so you know a lot about that. So, was it just your your love for zombies? And uh, you know, the zombie thing is hot right now. It's it's a very popular genre. So, what was your motivation for writing a zombie book? Well, I've actually written two other things in the zombie genre. I've written two short stories. One was in Mondo Zombie, which was actually the third book of the dead. Um, it was edited by John Skiff. Oh, wow. Uh, and then the other one was A Man's Gotta Eat What A Man's Gotta Eat. And it ended up, um, I submitted that originally to John for uh, his anthology, and he liked my writing, but that didn't quite fit what he wanted. So I wrote another one for that, and... A Man's Gotta Eat was published by Danger City, which was an urban noir uh, anthology, and in which I am proud to say I am the only female author in that entire anthology, and they thought I was a guy when they published it. So, <laughs> um, so I've actually written in the genre before, but for this specific book, I was actually given a call by Lori Perkins, who's an agent and also uh, one of the editors and co-founders of Ravenous Romance, and I'd written a couple of books and stories for them, and she knew that I was a zombie-holic, so she called me one day and said, so, how would you feel about writing Buffy, but with zombies, but different? And that was the pitch, and I went, oh, okay, yes. And she said, good, I want three books. Give me an outline for three books, and we'll see what happens. So basically, uh, that's how it started. The first book came out under the name Ashley Drake, Zombie Hunter, uh, a Plague on All Houses, because I was feeling all Shakespearean. Um, oh. And that was an e-book for Ravenous for a short time, but then she sold the series to Titan, and it went from having more of a paranormal romance angle to a little bit more horror, which was more fun for me, because I got to write all the zombie interludes, which when you read the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. Cool. And, you know, Lori uh, is very much into following the trends, and she knew zombies were popular, but... You know, I just she offered me the chance, and I I had a contract for it. And you know, who am I to turn something like that down when it's something that I'm I'm so very interested in? So it was a combination of things. So there you go. Well, great, great. And I, I again, I I just love that you're you're a big zombie fan. Um, and as far as zombie movies go, uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. And do you have do you have like a I don't know? Could you rattle off like a top five zombie movie? kind of thing, or at least your top few zombie movies, the ones that are just your favorites of all time? Okay, I'm going to rattle off some, and these are the good, the bad, and the ugly. The original <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, the first ten minutes of the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which is, I think, the best ten minutes in the movie ever, mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, Zombieland, The Dead, which we talked about, um, the Zombie Flesh Eaters, uh, Wreck, and 
and Hell of the Living Dead, which is a obscure Italian zombie movie, which very few people have seen, and it is just one of the funniest, silliest, but was actually some really good moments in it as well um, that I absolutely love. And I could go on forever with zombie movies, but I'll stop now. That's a great list. I love it. Um, wait, I, I'm getting, wait, Boyfriend is Shilling. Which one, honey? <laughs> oh, Dead Set. Dead Set, yes. Oh, That's yeah. British ministry. Yeah, Dead Set. That is one of the most awesome. And, of course, Walking Dead, stuff. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, don't tell anyone I use duh. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's surprising. Um, Dead Set uh, is fast zombies, as is Zombieland. So the fast zombie thing, and I agree, I love Dead Set myself, too. It's awesome, and that, that made fast zombies work. I think that that's yeah. probably my favorite fast zombie uh, movie or TV series, as, as far as that goes. I, I just really thought that worked on every level. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Walking Dead, I agree again uh, because it is it, it's amazing. You know, it's everything. I don't know if you read the comic. Uh, did you read the oh, comic? Oh yes, I read the comic. Yes, and so when Dale died, I was like, "What? You can't yeah. kill Dale? What, what the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I was quite upset. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know the the story behind that? Why they did that? Because they didn't want to did do, do that. Well, the actor quit. That. So You're no, they had to write that in because. Uh, yeah. Um, Frank Darabont was originally directing the series, and he was fired after right. the first season. And yeah. that actor, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, the guy who plays Dale is a big Darabont, uh, I don't know if he's his friend or he just had uh, all his faith in Darabont for that series. And as soon as wow. he was fired, he said, okay, I'm done after uh, his contract runs out. Wow. So, yeah, they had to had to write that death in. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But, well, I guess I'm mad at the, the people that made it now. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, it, it adds an interesting element to the TV show um, because it's well, certainly you never you can't feel safe. You know, exactly. if you've read the comics, you can't sit there and go, "I know what's going to happen," because obviously we don't. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's great. But you know, reading the comic before they were even talking about a TV show. It's, you know, me and my comic book buddies, we'd get together and we'd, we'd be reading these and talk about it and say, man, they really need to make a TV show or a movie about The yeah. Walking Dead. I mean, it's the thing that we had hoped for all along. And uh, Robert Kirkman, who is brilliant, uh, I knew that he sensed that and he had probably he'd been getting communication on that from fans, I'm sure, constantly. And oh, yeah. he made it happen. And uh, so it's it's one of those situations where it's just like this is something totally for the fans, but like you said, we uh, it's different enough from the comic that uh, we're not so sure what's going to happen because there there are a lot of big differences, different characters, and so right. yeah, yeah, great show. I'm looking forward. I I hate the gap in between seasons. You know, I know. I'm just so glad that the last two episodes of season two made up for the zombie Timmy down the well episode and the Sophie, Sophie, where's Sophie? Oh my god! And we won't talk about Lori. I feel sorry for that actress because uh, I that character for me is just like I want her dead. I want her dead. Now. Yep, yep. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. But not the actress, because I'm sure she's a really nice person, and she's doing a really good job, and maybe that's what they're going for. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a credit to her. I mean, she is totally yeah. selling this character, so that's, uh, that's the goal. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Walking Dead, absolutely brilliant, and uh, 
it's uh, everything I've always wanted in a zombie TV show. So, yeah, I, yeah, yep. yeah. So you talked about Hell of the Living Dead, and yeah. uh, this is a movie that uh, we've decided to talk about tonight. And I am so glad. Uh, before we started recording, before the show, we were talking, and I was expressing how happy I was that uh, you had come up with this one. Because I've never talked to anybody else that is excited about this movie. Like, I, I, How I, can they not be? I, I don't know. They're just like, oh, that movie sucks. It's like Italian trash. It's a ripoff of so many other movies. <laughs> it's, it's, to me, it's so much fun. Um, oh yeah, yeah. This is this is 1980. It was put out during the zombie movie craze of the late 70s, early 80s. You know, Dawn of the Dead yep. uh, was huge in Italy, as was um, Zombie Two, uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters that you, you also mentioned. Yep. Um, so of course there are going to be a lot of zombie movies springing up around this to cash in on the on the popularity. And a lot of these films are are great, even though they are kind of cash ins. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, it, it's so funny. I used to rent this movie at uh, the VHS rental place in yep. my town yep. when I was a teenager. And I think I was like the only person renting it. And <laughs> I would rent it over and over and over. I must have rented this thing like 30 times. And uh, awesome. it actually it, it got to the point where at one time I put it in and the tape broke. Um, because I, I think I'd been watching it so much, so I had to take it back to the store, and I'm like, "Well, the tape broke here," and they they actually they fixed it. They opened it up and taped it together or whatever, and uh, gave it back to me. So I was happy I was able to, of uh, you know, to watch it again. But uh, man, I love this film. So why why'd you pick this one out? You, I mean, you you already kind of alluded to a few things about how fun it is, and it's kind of a at times it's kind of a so bad it's good zombie movie exactly. but exactly. Uh, what draws you to this one why'd you why'd you want to talk about this well first of all the first time i saw it i was in michigan um and that, I, I was uh, engaged to, to that armor's uh, armor on army of darkness actually it was back when we were engaged and i went back to visit and we had a movie night with his friends and one of his friends and i went to rent movies and we got that and some of the zombie movies that i don't remember but i just remember watching it and from the start with the zombie rat, yes. which just cracked me up, um, to the heroine who just would scream and throw her neck back when, when zombies attacked without actually fighting, to <laughs> the scene where she knows all about the name. Okay, they're on it's New Guinea or something like that, and there's all of the stocks inserted with all of these. Like, what is an African elephant doing in New Guinea? <laughs> I mean, there was that. There was the mercenaries. There was the fact that they were using the music from Dawn of the Dead and so obviously ripping some of that off. And then there was this really memorable scene where it's, it's stock footage inserted with uh, the action, and it's when they're in the native village after our heroine, in order to earn the native's trust, takes her clothes off, paints uh, circles around her boobs, and <laughs> goes jogging into the village and gets this giant mask put on her head for reasons I'm still not sure. But that's okay because they, they made friends with the natives and did not get eaten or <laughs> whatever that was all about. And the natives are celebrating funerals. Um, people have died. And this, some of this, again, is, is stock footage. And that, to me, the stock footage interspersed with the zombies coming back to life, where they actually matched the footage 
is really creepy and really disturbing. And it was sort of like, okay, this movie is silly and cheesy, and there's other people that think that that part is really stupid. I thought it was great. It was creepy. I mean, you have these, these corpses in these sort of slings, and you go from the stock footage where they're really doing this, and you see these bodies, and it's really kind of gross because they're really dead, and you see that kind of sheen that dead bodies get from... Uh, the, the fat or, or whatever that is. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what that is. And then you see them start moving and opening their eyes and getting up and attacking the villagers. And I just, I thought it was a really good scene. I mean, then again, you have the mercenary who, when they're clearing a house full of zombies, puts on a tutu and starts doing a soft shoe. Um, <laughs> you just have to love it. I mean, this movie's kind of got everything, so... <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's entertaining and it's it is really disgusting, and yeah, <laughs> it, it, that scene in the village, that's the one I always think of when I when I think of this movie. Yeah. And it, you know, it's the one that you know when I watched this when I was like fifteen or whatever. I'm like, oh my god, like what is yeah. going on here? Who makes these kind of movies? This is this is wrong. But you're you're exactly you like the part where she was like running in the car, you know, with with the paint job, right? Oh, of course. When you're 15 year old boy, tell me you like that. Oh, yeah, of okay. course Stop I did. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was a huge plus. And then you know, <laughs> but getting into the village and seeing real dead bodies and uh, yeah, just that it it was taken from some Mondo documentary. Um, I forget. I was I was reading about it, but uh, yeah. So this. This was a real funeral procession, you know, a celebration of the dead that they were doing in New Guinea, wherever they were, and uh, real dead bodies. I mean, that in some of the footage, they were eating the maggots off of like a Ew, decomposed yes, yes, body. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, and just just pulling bodies apart and just uh, rubbing rubbing the the fluids. The fat. Yeah, yes, like yes, onto yes. their. I mean, oh my god, and and then put right up against. Uh, shot footage of of zombies and that whole thing going on. I mean, it makes that really disturbing and very real. I mean, you talked yeah. about you know, in a sense, it's kind of kind of goofy. It's it, you know, it feels kind of pieced together a lot of times because if you know if you read about the production of this film, it was really yeah. really terrible and uh, just all over the place. They were just trying to make something out of all this randomness that they they seem to have shot. But um, right. Yeah, for me, it works. And so, yeah, there's that scene, which is brilliant. And they don't skimp on the gore in this movie. Not um, at all. The, uh, the up-close bites, I mean, they, they take big chunks of flesh out. And, uh, again, it's, it's a lot of the reason why the Dawn of the Dead shocked me is because you have these bites. You see people being bitten into and, and flesh being taken out. And a yep. lot of that was happening in this film, too. Um it was uh, it was just downright brutal from beginning to end, and man, I could I could keep going. You know, the uh, uh, people getting ripped open, their guts being eaten. We see a lot of guts. Um, you know, heads exploding, heads being crushed, and uh, I gotta I gotta talk about the scene. You mentioned the scene where there's the the soldier in the tutu and the shoes, and he's dancing yeah. around, da, 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 da. and then the zombies come and eat him, and he's just kind of yeah. he's surprised. But um, right alongside that scene is. Another room where one of the other uh, soldiers goes into and he sees this old, old lady. Woman, right? Yep. The cat living yep. in her stomach. Yeah. Now, you being a big cat lover, I know, I, how did you take this? I mean, you're, you're disturbed? Was it uh, 
how disgusting was this to you? Well, the cat was alive and obviously well-fed, so I was okay with it. If the cat had been hurt, I would have not been okay Mm. with it, but it was obvious that the cat was not in any pain and and was, was eating the insides of the woman, and frankly, if I died and... You know, I was in my house and no one knew about it. I would hope that my cats would feed on my corpse so they wouldn't starve. So yeah. I, I was I was oddly okay with that scene. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never seen anything like that in any other zombie yeah. movie. You know, yeah. <laughs> the, the weird thing about that, you think about that house. Okay, we're in New Guinea, and all of a sudden we're in this house, and you've got this dead white older woman with pearls on. What was that all about? Now, that was another one of the things about the movies is just like, this makes no sense. And I also think that the, the house that they filmed that looked to me like the same house that was in Zombie Flesh Eaters where the professor and his poor, unfortunate wife lived. Uh-huh. So I'm not Good 100% point. sure, but I think I might be right about that. So. You might be, because they filmed a lot of this, and, and Zombie 2 was the same way. They filmed a lot, um, actually, in Europe. You know, in Italy and yeah. Spain, and there were a lot of, of locations that they just kind of dressed up and hoped that they could sell as being an exotic location. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. you could be, I never thought of that, but man, man, that's good. That's crazy. I'm going to have to take another look and see. That's. Uh, I'm sure that you'll be able to do that just, oh, just oh, as yeah. long as your wife <laughs> not another showing of Hell of the Living Dead. No. Oh, I know. I know. She's she's about had it with zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's funny though. I get a sense of a lot of these movies that we love and you know, it uh it definitely borrowed from a lot of films, of course, you know, we we talked about Zombie 2 and I get the Zombie 2 feel during certain sequences of this but uh oh, yeah. one that is obvious and you touched on was dawn of the dead especially the music uh they they pulled in all the goblin music from dawn of the dead and just kind of yeah. used it and all of the action scenes you know where there were the this high action goblin songs that dawn had um you know especially we have the hostage sequence you know in uh i don't know wherever they were at that point when the hostages were being held by the terrorists and, uh, right, and the longest death speech by a terrorist ever. He was yeah. very, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he, he definitely had a message. He was very, very wordy. Um, Not going to die until I get up every word about this. You're <laughs> yes. going to be eaten alive, blah, blah. But he never actually said what was going on. He talked a lot, but he never actually specifically said what the problem was. So it's like, you know, he wasted his words. He wasted his words. Yeah, I oh, mean, didn't he... you love he just kind oh, I was of... going to say this scene um, that, that that brings to mind when it's supposed to be like the um, oh gosh I can't even think where, where the, all of that place where all of the countries get together. Okay, my brain is just totally blanking. Like oh, um, the United UN. Nations type thing. Yeah. yeah, the UN, and it's supposed to be this big old argument, and for whatever reason they choose to to show it from a a, a far angle, and there's like five people. <laughs> oh yeah, the entire thing. Building this scene. That was another one of my favorite. Like, yeah, okay, we had no budget, did we? <laughs> we couldn't get extras that day. Oh, I yeah. love that, too. Yeah, and I love, um, you know, I think of that that scene, and I think of the overdubs on uh, on this movie, <laughs> and the overdubs are just so overdone. I mean, way it's overacted. Really it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. But I love, we have um, an African uh, dignitary there, you know, some representative, <laughs> obviously African, but he's being overdubbed, yep. obviously, by some, like, white guy from, like, the Bronx or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <It's... laughs> That's one of the things I love about these 
movies. It's just, yeah, there's, it's, you've got to love that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so uh, I also get a sense there were a lot of Night of the Living Dead situations. Um, and uh, uh, especially whenever the uh, the heroine, the, the uh, reporter girl, oh. um, she was kind of, they were in that house and she was kind of being pulled by the hair uh, into right. the window. I mean, that's straight out of Night of the Living Dead. And she wasn't really fighting. Yeah. She was just kind of screaming and, oh, no, somebody save me. And yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you noticed, they, they were showing several clips, and the UN stuff was one of them, but uh, they showed another clip from a TV show where there were two men, and they were uh, kind of talking about the whole crisis going on. Yes. And there was a man there, and he was a professor, some sort of doctor or something from a university. And yeah. he's talking about the cadaver he was examining, and he said, well, at the university lab, we were examining a cadaver. <laughs> And at one point, it opened its eyes, you know, and, and, and it is directly, I mean, I think they took those exact lines from Night of the Living Dead and yeah, inserted and them. I just, you know, the voice that you just used, you totally have a career in <laughs> dubbing Italian movies. Uh, yes. Oh, that would be, I, w- I would love, I would love to try to dub an Italian zombie movie. That would be, that would be something. <laughs> It's a lot. I actually dubbed, um, it wasn't an Italian movie, it was a movie called Time Barbarian, and one of the actresses was a porn star that they got, um, and the dialogue was kind of semi-Shakespearean, and she really couldn't handle it, so I came in and did ADR for that, and so I had the pleasure of seeing my voice come out of this extremely dusty little blonde gal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, 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 doing the dubbing thing is a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure. How cumbersome is that, though? I mean, I could imagine. I mean, you got to, at least in the good ones, you you really have to, I would think, do like a million takes to do that. How hard was that to, to really nail? Um, for, it, it wasn't really. All, I, I did a few takes, but it, it was surprisingly easy. Um, I've done that a few times for the low-budget films I've worked on where I've actually acted in them, where I've been pulled into that people that just couldn't do the dialogue. So, um, like, sword fighting, it is a strange, obscure gift. Now, if I could do an Italian zombie movie, I would die a happy woman. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you sounded just like that guy. We have a cadaver. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I've, I've only seen it, like, a billion times, so, you know. Uh, you and me both. Yeah. I'm going to have to go put that in. As soon as we're done with this, um, I'm, I'm going to go stick that in. Sorry, honey. It's going to just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. But th- this is a movie they did the zombies right. You know, the zombies yeah. uh, to me they were very menacing. Of course they were slow and they were really dumb and you could you could push through them. Uh, we see a, a lot of scenes of the soldiers kind of horsing around. That's another thing that kind of oh, yeah. reminded me of Dawn of the Dead where the soldiers yeah. were kind of going off the deep end a little bit. They were kind of losing it and and just kind of goofing around with the zombies. You know, here you want some white Twitter meat. Roger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A wing, a leg, a drumstick. Yep. Oh yeah, yep. And uh, but all in all, I, I loved it. Um, intense scenes. I mean, I love the scene. You know, I, I hate to spoil a movie, but it's like I, I gotta, I gotta talk about how our beloved heroine uh, is killed by zombies. Oh man, yes, exactly. <laughs> Do it. Go for it. You know what? That's okay. I think if anyone watches this, they're not going to be watching it for this. So, no. spoil away. No, I, I'll, I'll just say it now. Everybody dies. 
everybody dies. Yeah. You know, it's it's a beautifully nihilistic kind of kind of movie. Um, but uh, yeah. we're they make it back to this uh, chemical plant where this whole thing started. You know, something goes wrong at the chemical plant and uh, it releases this gas. Operation Sweet Death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds like a candy store. I love it. I love it. And yeah. uh, so that's that's why they're on this island. That's why they're in New Guinea. They're they're trying to find this chemical plant and see exactly what went wrong. And they make their way back there at the end of the movie. So it's some of these soldiers. It's with the journalist and her cameraman. One by one, they're getting picked off by zombies. And uh, the last couple to die are are the heroine. Uh, I and think her name. Yes, yes, there's the whole kind of sexual tension there between those two, you know, throughout a lot of the movie, and uh, which is yeah, never realized. Very, and it was never really very tense either, but yes, they tried. They yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're standing there on the steps trying to get out, and all of a sudden this is a huge group of zombies comes and attacks them. They have nowhere to go. So a couple of these zombies are ones that were in their group, um, a couple of the soldiers, and we see them uh, take both hands and insert them into her mouth and kind of pull her mouth open and take out her tongue. So they pull out her tongue. And yep. then the zombie puts its hand in his mouth, works it up behind her eyes, and pushes out her eyeballs from the inside. And uh, it's done in a beautifully slow fashion. You know, they, they were not shy. You know, a lot of effects anymore are shown and sold because they're so quick on screen. Very right. fast. Right. But they kind of lingered on this for a while. and uh, It was like in Zombie Flesh Eaters when the, the, the gal gets her, her face pulled towards the, um, the spike in the door. You know, the broken yes. piece of wood and her eyes rammed in it. And in both scenes, what I'm going to say about them is like, have these women never thought of putting their hands up and trying to stop what is happening? My only objection, because I agree that gore scene, it was really effective, but it's like, you know, I, I may be being attacked by zombies, but I would fight it just a little bit. I'd bat that piece of wood out of the way so it wouldn't poke me in my eye or, or you know, I, I would do something. And they just stand there and scream. And that, for me, sort of is one of the frustrating and really funny things about <laughs> the women's roles in Italian zombie movies, that's what they do in every single one. They just scream unless a guy rescues them. So hmm. interesting. And then it's interesting you say that because there was a lot of sexism in this. A lot of the comments that were being made, um, you know, they were like, Oh, she's got a nice little ass on her. Oh, you know, I bet you she's yep. pretty wild in the sack. And then, you know, a lot of things like that, even when, that uh, the one soldier was kind of flirting with her. You know, they're kind of in the village and they're hanging around the jeep. We'd be in bed by now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> exactly. So I mean, yeah. that's that's so funny that 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 kind of thing was so pervasive at this point in time, and it was kind of accepted. I mean, isn't that isn't that crazy? That was the eighties, and yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> we'll see where we are ten years from now. Whether we go back to that or we move on, but I'm fully prepared for zombie movies uh, going either way. Actually, so. hey, yeah, and it works. You know, I, I'm not offended by anything, and there's a lot that people could be offended no. by in movies like this. But it was the eighties. You know, it was the early eighties, and it's funny for what it was, and it was in Italy too. I mean, you know, you have to oh. look at everything. In the time capsule in which it was filmed or viewed, or what what the filmmakers trying to do, 
And like I said, my only problem with it is just like, yeah, wimp, damn it, do something. <laughs> I, I just hate it. Yeah. But, you know, you look at the end, all of, even the male characters, like the soldier that, that freaks out when he's pulled into the elevator, he dies because he freaks out. Before, when he was freaking out, he was fighting them. This time, he just kind of gives up and lets them pull him in and kill him. So it was sort of a, a theme for, for every character that made it to the chemical plant, but they all just kind of... I. I mean, maybe the filmmaker was actually going for that, though I don't think so. The sort of, uh, we've been through this hell, we can't fight anymore, we're just going to let ourselves die. And I, I think I'm overthinking it right there, and I don't think that's what the filmmaker intended. But if he did, then that would really make sense. <laughs> that would make sense, and I could totally see that, because, yeah, you know, I, I think about zombie movies in general, and people often talk about just the stupid decisions that are always being made in zombie movies, and why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? But I think, you know, just the shock of seeing dead people walking, I mean, if you think about yeah. it right now, if you're sitting there and there's a dead person beside you right now, and all of a sudden they get up and they stumble towards you and try to eat you, that's going to do something to you psychologically. It's going to kind of disrupt the whole rational flow of thought, and I don't think you're necessarily going to be able to make really good decisions at that point, even survival ones. So, you know, that, that's a good point you make. But uh, then again, like you said, I'm not sure that the people that made this film were really going for that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't think there was that much deep thought going into it. I no. will say that one of the things I think, and it's actually one of the things that I I based my character or the main character of Playpen on, is that there is so much about zombies and pop culture these days that I think people would actually be a little bit more, um, maybe even frighteningly so, able to deal with it if corpses started walking. And I think people would be like, oh, shoot him in the head. Um, probably to the point where some people would die that weren't actually zombies. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'd use it as so, an excuse to take out my neighbor down the street that I'm, I'm just really... Yeah, there you, know, you go. Really, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if, if I were confronted by a walking dead person, I think my first reaction, because I'm the sort of person that tends to act first, think later, right. I think I would probably do something about it and then probably freak out a little bit down the line, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I think I would be pretty okay with the, the taking out the, the brain thing if I was positive it was a walking dead thing and not yeah. my boyfriend pulling a joke on me. I'd feel bad if I killed him and it was a joke. But I think that anyone that knows me, and probably you well enough, would be really stupid to pull that kind of joke. Hmm. I think that would be like, like that, that would be a Darwin Award type thing. That's totally that like the Bill Murray show. scene in uh, Zombieland. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you had to think about that. He actually <laughs> kind of deserved it. You know, that yeah. was dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, so, Hell of the Living Dead. Okay, if you had to rate this. Uh, a scale of one to ten, even uh, in in view of zombie movies in general. Um, now you said this is this is possibly one of your favorites. You know, at least oh, it's yeah, up that, there. That's a, it, it's up there. It, it's up there at least an eight, and it doesn't have to be. You know, and I'm not rating it by the, the best made film ever. I'm rating it by the enjoyment I get, and by the fact I think certain scenes really. The zombies in that have the same thing that the dead have, the zombies in the dead. Yes. They don't make any noise, they're slow, and they're scary, and they don't stop. So, yeah, that, that's up there with an 8. I love that rating, and I'm I'm even going higher, because this, oh? th I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I just love Ooh. this. I can watch it. I can seriously watch it as often as you watch the dead. 
you know, I, I could I, I could put this in every day and just sit there and enjoy it and and just laugh in parts and be disgusted in other parts and then, you know, see the whole village scene with the topless girl and enjoy that too. And, and you know, it, it it none of this ever gets old to me. It's it's your just your wife is a very lucky woman, I'm just uh, well I'm not sure she would uh she would put it that way. But uh, I, I appreciate that. But uh, I don't know. This was um, this is actually uh, the next zombie movie in line that I saw after I saw Dawn of the Dead for the first time. And uh, it's when we saw Dawn of the Dead. It was me and my brother, and we were just really into it when we were teenagers. And we saw Dawn of the Dead, and then we just started renting every zombie movie that we could find at the video store. So this one, it was uh, actually under the name of Night of the Zombies. Uh, yes, that's it, what I saw it as too. Yeah, so of course we rented it. So this was the next one, and it had like so much of what Dawn of the Dead had. Now I I can't put it on par with Dawn of the Dead because that's Paramount best of all time. No movie even touches yeah. Dawn of the Dead for me. But uh, this has a lot going for it that uh, Dawn of the Dead had going for it as well. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna give it a nine. But I see a lot of hating this movie out there a lot of people like I, like I said at the beginning a lot of people just don't like this and so I think you have to appreciate Italian zombie movies you have to appreciate some so bad it's good moments and yep. uh, just be in for the ride uh, just <laughs> take it for what it is because it's exactly. it's, a, it's a little bit ridiculous so I think some people take things a little bit too seriously and also it's an age thing I've noticed that the people that, you know, they don't they don't like the original Dawn of the Dead. I mean, one gal was telling me that she couldn't get past, uh, past the fact that the zombies were blue. And I think, you know, at the time that that movie came out, there was nothing else like that out there. And they had a low budget, and Savini did the best he could to make as many zombies in as quick amount of time as possible because they had the filming constraints of having to be done you know, we have the nighttime to film and then we have to stop. They didn't have overtime going on. So I just, part of it's generational and part of it is just, some people just aren't as smart as we are. That's what I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You put it, you put it so well. <laughs> that's that's yeah, awesome. I probably are going to get a lot of hate for that, but hey, I'm sorry. I, I, I fully back out of the living dead is one of my favorite zombie movies ever, so. And the truth hurts, you know, it just... It yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how it is. Well, thank you so much for talking with me about this film and talking with me about Plague Town and, and everything that you're involved in. Um, it was really great getting to know you here. Um, is there anything else? You know, of course, like I said, your your book is available on Amazon, and I'll have the links uh, to the paperback and the Kindle version up on the website. Um, anything else there that you'd like to give a plug for, shout-outs, anything uh, before we call it a night? Oh, let me think. Um, the only I have another recent book out under the name Anara LaVey called Fixation, and it's a paranormal romance, but it also has some, some fairly horrific elements in it because I always go for the horror. Um, so if you like big cats and shapeshifters and icky stuff, then check out Fixation, too. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. So I will definitely be checking out uh, Plague Town, and uh, I, I just uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for... Oh, no. Thank you. I had a great time. I, there's very few people you can talk about movies like How Little Living Dead with, so... Oh, there you go. I, tonight I, was a night very well spent. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I feel the same way, and uh, I hope you'll you'll consider coming back on at some point, and uh, we can we can talk about more really great zombie movies and uh, have a Absolutely. good time. And, 
And awesome, awesome. Well, Dana, again, thank you, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds great. Have a wonderful night, and uh, tell your wife to give Hello Living Dead another chance. I will. I will. Thank you. Professor, there's been a lot of talk lately about curious things happening all over the world. Would you care to comment on this for our audience? There's not much I can tell you at the moment. Our inquiry into this subject has just started. Yesterday, for instance, in the research center of the university, I was examining a cadaver which had a quadruple amputation, no arms or legs. While we were working, to our complete surprise, it opened its eyes. It was dead, but it opened its eyes and began to move. Then it wasn't really dead. From the pathological yeah, point science of view, fiction. What a load of crap. Dead. Let's go. And we naturally considered some sort of Hear that? The dead coming to life. In the nervous. No, he's serious. Watch. Ah, nuts. It's bull. Well, once again, I welcome to the show my friend, Craig Teratovi. How you doing, man? I'm good. Midnight Corey, it's great to be back. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. And thank you again for coming back and, and talking with me again. It's It's just great. Every time... That I just get to talk with you, especially about movies, horror movies, anything. It's it's a big treat. So thank you. The feeling is mutual, and it is. Uh, I love. It's my favorite place to visit. The electric chair. Ooh, ooh, well. Because you and I think you. I think you and I see things. Uh, we can talk, but we have enough difference in opinion to make it interesting. But I feel like I. I feel like I can. I can express myself. <laughs> <laughs> without without, uh, without being like no. <laughs> Stupid! <laughs> that's not that's not how it goes. No, uh, no, I know. And and all throughout our podcasting history together, you know, I'm a big zombie fan, and uh, we always kind of behind the scenes talked about the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and it's uh, something that uh, I think we have differing opinions on. Um, and I was always like, dude, we're going to talk about this at some point. We're going to talk about this, and I can't wait because I just got to see why you look at it the way you do, and I want to try to try to communicate the way that I feel about it, you know. And it, it's going to be crazy. But you picked, or, well, you didn't pick it. I mean, I, I kind of asked you on to talk. We, about We came this. to an understanding. Yeah. Yes, yes. But this is Zombieland from two thousand nine. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I have to say I wouldn't have it any other way because this movie, I like it so much that uh, if I had to go on and just have it be torn apart, and you've been in those shoes before mm. many times where something you love and you really appreciate that makes you happy to watch gets torn apart and you have to like, you know, scramble to just uh, to justify any bit of it, you know, in the face of all these diehard horror fans that have, you know, tastes different than your own. So I am happy to be here talking about with you that at least in, in one regard, the fact that it has zombies in it, pretty damn good ones, uh, you know, will uh, endear you to to it. So I, I'm I'm happy to be addressing it here. I think this is the right place and the right time. I appreciate that, and you know, despite my feelings on this. I got to totally respect you for your position on this and why you feel the way that you do. And, um, you know, there are no rights and wrongs here. You know, I, I don't think that you're, you're crazy or, you know, an idiot for <laughs> liking this film. And I hope you feel the same way about me um, because I, I take a position that's very different from yours. 
And I hope you don't think I'm an uh, I'm an idiot for a lot of the hating I'm going to do on this. Here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm excited to find. I, I think I know which points we'll agree on, and and then and then, but I but I completely I, I I'm foreseeing the ones that we won't, and I understand them. I think I, I think I, I accept them and I understand them, and just go. It's kind of a you know like bygones be bygones. Like it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I see that, and that doesn't bother me. But anyway, but let's. Where should we begin? Well, would you be so kind as to give kind of an overview, a synopsis of what we see in Zombieland? Okay, so uh, Zombieland is, uh, we're dropped two months into a zombie apocalypse, right? Uh, and we we come to understand that it happened. It's a it was a transition from mad cow to mad person to mad zombie, as uh, as the main character Columbus explains it. So basically, uh, we're kind of introduced to this character, this very neurotic, uh, very shut in, shy, awkward college student. And uh, we the only names that anybody has in this movie is the towns that they're from. The cities they're from. So this guy's name, we, we never know. We just know that he's from Columbus. So he gets called Columbus throughout the movie. Uh, so Columbus is this guy who survived. The most unlikely character to survive a zombie apocalypse, uh, not because of his brawn or his ingenuity, but because he follows <clears throat> a very strict set of 32 rules uh, that, that help him survive uh, the, kind of, the kind of pitfalls and uh, and and you know that other people kind of uh, fall into, and you know things like uh, keep your cardio up, you know, uh, make sure you shoot the zombie twice, you know, just to be safe, safe the double tap, like, or uh, look in the back seat, wear your seatbelt, like very, you know, beware of bathrooms, just very simple kind of rules that help you navigate, uh, because one of the things we see in most horror movies is people making dumb mistakes, like I mean, you get killed over like. You know something trivial, something uh, something banal. So anyway, uh, here's this character. He encounters a very uh, like this you know guy. His name's Tallahassee. He's from obviously from Tallahassee, Florida, and he is this just this tough kind of redneck. And he enjoys, he relishes killing zombies. Uh, and we come to find out that he has a very you know zombies took somebody near and dear to him, and so he just like his life is enjoying the new zombie land that they're all living in. And they kind of team up together to travel a little bit. They meet up with a couple uh, sisters that are trying to, um, that are trying to, you know, find a, a safe place to go as well. Uh, and then they kind of all travel together. It's kind of a road trip. They, they road trip, you know, from, from Texas to California and they go to Pacific Playland, which is, I'm guessing, you know, something like, uh, something like Disneyland uh, where they hear that there's no zombies. Anyway, and so they make it they kind of there and are surprised by what they find. Uh, so there's action in this movie. There's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of relationships. Uh, but that's the gist of Zombieland. It's a, it's a kind of a fun ride uh, through this, this, uh, this new land filled with zombies. Um, and so I, I'm not sure where quite to begin. I guess, I guess I'll talk about wh- how do you feel about the style? This movie is very stylized. What do you think about that? Uh, I kind of dug it. Um, I, it was a very modern, very, uh, uh, I don't know how to classify it. It was a very pop culture, yeah. uh, mainstream sort of style, which I appreciated at times. I thought worked at times. And then other times I saw as very, oh, uh, they're catering to this demographic, this whole younger <laughs> audience again. G- you know. Give me some examples. What did you like and what didn't you like? Um, well, I have to say... It, one of the best parts of the movie for me was uh, the very first opening sequence for whom the bell tolls. Uh, right. That whole thing. Absolutely brilliant. The super slow motion. I mean, uh-huh. I'm talking 
a thousand frames a second or something insane like that <laughs> yeah. of of people being chased down by zombies. Um, I thought it was great. It, it, to enter old school Metallica, it, that was just really, really good. And the song choice, the whole thing that that song communicates to, I, I, brilliant. This was actually a brilliant, brilliant sequence. I would put this up there with like the first 10 minutes of, uh, you know, Dawn of the Dead 2004. As far as uh, you mm-hmm. know, effectiveness and just how good it was. I mean, it was yeah. it was good, and unfortunately, it was so good that the rest of the movie <laughs> was just a letdown from there on. Um, you know, style wise, other things I appreciated though. Um, you know, they did the whole kind of three D text kind of effect with the rules. You know, which and- I think, which I think they did first. Because now you see that in a lot of commercials yeah, yeah. and TV shows nowadays. I think this is where it started. Well, if I mean, they didn't only- do it first, it was definitely a young technique at this point in right. time, and I sure. I, I can't date it, and I'm not sure who who did it first. But it was yeah, it was definitely an up and coming technique where they put definite CGI titles blocked yeah, 3D, yeah, 3D titles. Yeah. yeah, blocked right in with the action, and so it looked like you were actually moving around these these words, and uh, which was cool. I, I dug that. I mean, it's it's kind of a novel kind of thing and kind of a gimmick, but yeah, you know, it's cool at the same time. So, yeah, I like that. Well, here's as far as style goes. I mean, those things were like the they, they were um, uh, there. I, I I mean, yeah, that opening sequence. When I watch that movie, I'm like, it. Uh, this is so rad. I don't know how they're gonna follow it up because. The, slow, the the way it the, it begins and that and and that Metallica song I'm like that yeah that is it, and if if the movie ended there I would give it a, I would give it an eight yes. because it was so freaking cool and one of the things that I liked is um is most a lot of times in horror in zombie movies they don't stay on something for very long mm-hmm. because they don't want to show the flaws of of the of the special effects whether practical or computer generated uh but they don't like you know you don't dwell on details because usually it's a letdown i felt like i mean the fact that they had these like super extremely slow motion shots of zombies attacking other people I was like, that's pretty ballsy. That's very confident in your effects, and that's one of the things that uh, kind of maybe moving into another portion was uh, was the effects and the zombies and this. The look of them is tremendous. And and going back, I mean that that blocky kind of like things, um, you know, the the text popping up in three D and 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 and. and objects in real life interacting with them and stuff. I liked that because most of the time it was a, it was like a parenthetical kind of like little jab or a joke, you know? And I like that. And something about that is very, it it is very this day and age. Like, like I used to, I used to write frequently on a blog where uh, part of the joke was, you know, like putting, putting strike throughs of what you wanted to say and then being like, well, my, my, uh, you know, my jerk strike through brother-in-law, you know, it's like little <laughs> yeah. things like that where it's like you le- you did that on purpose to communicate with, you use a device within the text. What you so really like, you wanted to say. Right. Which yeah. wasn't, it had nothing to do with the sentence. Yeah. It was another, it was, a, it was, a, it was a sub, it was a, like a sub message, you know, it was yeah. a subtext forever. And so I like that. And you can put links on things where you're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're like, oh, that, that word has a hyperlink on it and a link to something that has. There's a joke within whatever you're saying, and so I like yeah. that these those titles acted that way most of the time, where they they were like they were a they were a way of adding another layer of joke. It had nothing to do with what they were. I mean, it had to do with the the 
the scene, obviously, but what they were saying, it was, it was outside of like the plot moving forward. It was a little parenthetical, Hey, wink, you know, like, and I, I like that cause I think it's clever and I think it's, it keeps my attention. And maybe that is, I know, I know the, I know the word, I know the letters MTV are going to come up several times, but uh, it, it is kind of like for this younger generation that maybe I'm, I don't think I'm a part of, but of this short attention span, you know, and you need to have lots of stimuli and lots of things happening and multitasking to kind of keep your attention. And I don't think this did that overboard where it, but, 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 but I will say this thing, this movie moved along quickly. Now, I mean, I, I saw it, I saw it probably, I paid full price two times. And then when it went to the dollar theater, theater i saw it another two or three times and i take people to go see it because i couldn't get enough of it i thought it was hilarious and i thought it was super visually striking and i thought there were some really scary scenes and it just worked for me on a million levels which we're obviously going to be talking about this whole time but uh but now it's been a while i mean it's been since 2009 mm-hmm. you know since i've seen this movie like uh i i don't own it i want to i'm going to buy it uh but i just haven't gotten around to it um but i was like wow things move a lot quicker than i remembered them like they're, they don't dwell on things. They get enough information and that kind of moves forward. But they're so, they're so astute at giving you the right information about a character that it paints them very quickly. You know, and, you, and you get what you need out of it. And so this is, like, this is a high level of production. Like on, on the writing, obviously, every technical aspect, it's just very – and I think I understand why most horror fans would go, this is too polished, this is too clean, this is too commercial music video – MTV like that I can't get into. It's not gritty. It's not real, you know. But there's something about like how uh, th- th- that worked for me that way. But what were we saying? Style wise, yeah, I, th- those things all th- they work for me. And now I'm like, oh, did they get annoying? No, I actually still kind of like them. It's like it's such a familiar thing now that I'm like, I can't wait till that thing pops up on the back of the truck, you know, whatever. Uh, Dude, so- you should you should totally like be a car salesman or something because you can talk up something and make it sound like wow, this is <laughs> you know, but. When I saw it, you know, it was, it was too clever. You know, it was. I thought it was trying too hard to to just be cool. You know, it was too pop culture and too you you said it too MTV. You know, it's like you read my mind. It's in my notes here. MTV. I just I thought it was made for a generation that is not my generation. It's a little bit younger. You need things a little bit faster. And it delivered things so fast that I didn't even care about the characters. Like, I, I didn't care about one of them whatsoever. And they tried in the hardest way. Let's, uh, let's talk about the characters in this film. Well, real um, quick, but while we're on that style on that MTV, the one that yeah. I think it fits to talk about here, the director, Ruben Fleischer, and writers, uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. I mean, I looked at these guys' credentials, and yeah, they worked for MTV. Of you course know, like, they did. And they worked in TV and they work in commercials and like these are like these are TV and like young hip kind of like reality TV shows like I mean Ruben Fleischer directed or was executive producer for a while on uh, on uh, Robin Big you know so it's like these guys know they know youngsters you know and this is very hip and these are made by TV guys that know cool style like pop culture wide you know very wide net kind of like style uh and i i do it doesn't but it doesn't bother me to hear you say that because i'm like ah for this movie it's okay it worked it totally works for me this is a different experience than than other horror movies that i that i enjoy but i'll give you that i'll give you that it's a totally different experience than horror movies period (laughs) you know um i just i I didn't i didn't feel horrified or terrified there's there's no sense of terror and I'll, i'll get into that but 
first of all, we'll get into the characters that I want to talk about here, but okay. the running zombies is something that disappointed me that uh, I think was a telling sign of the demographic, again, that they were they were marketing to. Yeah. You know, the, you got to have that. I think that they saw the success, and this is a, a totally from Dawn of the Dead 2004. You know, they, they saw right. running zombies were what was going on. Several zombie movies since then, and they're like, that's what we're doing. And uh, I think they're very smart. And even though I have a preference toward the slow zombies and I don't really like running zombies... Uh, that does not uh, downplay how smart these guys are from a money-making standpoint. And they knew who they were marketing this to. They knew who was going to go out and watch this movie. And they made a movie for that audience. And I got to give them props. It's like I almost have to, I have to rate this two different ways as far as me personally as a deep, deep, hardcore zombie fan. And then I have to rate this from, well... As far as uh, movie makers at this point in time to this audience, uh, I have to rate it a different way. Like it, it's 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 so crazy. But uh, where do I, you know, where do I truly sit on this? But I think I have to go at it from where what I truly believe. Right. As far as zombie movies go, so fast zombies, no, doesn't do it for me. Let's talk about the characters. Woody Harrelson, dude, uh, huge name. I love Woody. I don't know about you, but I love Woody. I love that guy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, he was he was Tallahassee. He was really tough. He was driving around. The first time we see this guy, he's driving around drinking a bottle of whiskey at the same time. And to me, uh, I wanted, uh, you know, he was kind of this character that was very tough. You described him. He was a redneck kind of guy. He was really really rough and tough. But, uh, you know, whenever I see him driving around drinking straight out of a bottle of JD, you know, I wanted them to kind of play that up more. I wanted to see Woody just getting hammered and doing something really dumb and, and something that affected the plot and the characters. And, right. And it really, so, you know, I think that was just a device that was kind of a funny thing to throw in there that they did not elaborate on. And that was part of his character that, uh, that was just uh, overlooked in favor of the comedic aspect of things and and the mainstream things. Okay, his obsession. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to bring up the whole Twinkie thing, which was a dumbass. Well, like, <laughs> well, the, right? Because it's like, okay, it, yeah, no. It, that, the funny thing is, is you we were talking about a character that's so interesting. You want to see more if you want to see him do his thing, and they've set up what his thing is. And it's something that's very believable. There's people like this, like uh, you know, it's like that. This guy probably would survive, you know, and he probably would take take uh, great pleasure in in killing zombies, like as as, as many different ways as possible. Uh, but I was thinking as you're talking about, it, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he. They created an interesting enough character that you wanted to see more of him, and I would have liked to seen the movie just centered around him in a very realistic way. You yeah. know, less comedy, but just like, and which which is a credit to these to these writers. You know, they created a character so interesting. You wanted to see more from him, and you're disappointed when you didn't. Like that 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 says something about the character they created, and and the character that Woody Harrelson. Can, uh, but can I wanted to, across, I wanted you know? to see certain things about him to not be reality, like the Twinkie thing. Come on, that was so <laughs> stupid, so stupid. And come on, I wanted this guy. 
he either is one way or he isn't. He's either this rough right. and tumble, redneck, you know, redneck, drunken kind of guy, and he's just out there. He's killing zombies and loving it. And I'm not saying he has to play the stereotypical kind of redneck, like a Dawn of the Dead kind of redneck thing. There can be dimension to him. But you can think of something better than this whole Twinkie thing. You know, I, I, that, I, I just found no, that, that so is, stupid. It is. It's pure. It's pure comedy. Like it's yeah. pure. Like oh, like it, that. That's like you know. That's a brainstorming session with a bunch of comedy improv writers and going like, okay, what does this guy have? You know, it's like I, I can see. I can see the board. You know, the the, the board t- room and the table of a bunch of comedy writers going like, he's obsessed with Twinkies, golden. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I I can I can see that being like this silly comedic choice but I, I but i accept it for what it is like i w- i would like to see this i would like to see you know uh, this be a franchise and see spinoffs and maybe see it go in different directions that'd be very exciting but uh yeah, yeah the twinkie thing is silly but it's like there's uh, this is fun you know this movie is is fun and we've and i have to remind us of of all the fun zombie horror movies we've seen in the past and i always bring it up i'm like well what about Shaun of the dead and zombie land how is how is this movie different how is uh the video dead or what was the one about the the japanese kids in the in the mall bio zombie bio zombie i'm like those are silly they're ridiculous most of most of the things that sam raimi does are fun and silly and and very rarely get actually scary but for some reason this is too slick that 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 most people don't like it. So what, what is it? Just that it's too per, like it's too it's too commercially successful. It, it's too slick. It's too it's too hip. They're well, trying to be cool so because it is. There are you've seen other zombie movies that you like that are that are just as silly, probably yeah. more so. Oh, so yeah, what's I, the difference? I, I, tons of other zombie movies out there that are completely ridiculous that I dig so much more than this. But I think I was at a point in time where before this movie came out, this was so hyped. So, so much coming out before this. Everybody was looking forward to it. And this was the production company, what Sony or whoever the hell this was, who was marketing (laughs) this thing out the ass. They were putting out games and apps and all kinds of things all over. Sneak peeks and Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, my God. And literally, you were inundated with hype. And this is going to be the movie. And what pissed me off the most, they said that this was the American Shaun of the Dead. And that, (laughs) whenever I saw this, and Shaun of the Dead to me is in my top five zombie movies of all time. So if you are going to take a movie and say that it is the American Shaun of the Dead, this damn well better be worthy of being in my top five zombie movies of all time. And that adds to my disappointment. I saw this movie in the theater. Let me give you a little background of how I saw this movie in the theater. Because my brother was getting married uh, while this was making its theatrical run. And he and I are both big zombie fans. He actually helped get me into zombies when we were both very young. And so we have this connection of where my brother and I, you know, we love zombie movies. And uh, we both really wanted to see this based on the hype. Based on everything that we had read and seen up until this, up until this movie came out. Uh-huh. And uh, so... My brother gets married, and after during the rehearsal, I'm the best man in this wedding. And after the rehearsal, I want to take him out and have a good time. So I talk to him, and we both agree that what we're going to do to have a good time after the rehearsal dinner is to go out and see Zombieland. What better way is there to celebrate? <laughs> to culminate, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
than to see this zombie movie that is supposed to be the greatest zombie movie to come out in decades as far as what we knew. So we went out and I I had flown out to Chicago. That's where he was living. And this it was so much fun. And we both had a, a good amount to drink. And we went out to the theater and everything, and we were just ready to rock it. And I had some relatives there with us. There was a big group of us, actually, that went to see this. And we saw the movie. And even though we were, you know, a little tipsy from from the rehearsal and whatever, mm-hmm. we came out of it. And we were like, yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a movie. You know, we did, but it underwhelmed us. We had heard the hype, and we were so, so pumped up. To see something, and it all it brought us way, <laughs> way down. I mean, yeah, it's, it was fun. We laughed a couple times, but it was nowhere near the zombie fest that we were, you know, in a movie called Zombieland. Zombieland. You know, you better give me some zombie action. I better see a lot of people getting torn apart. I better see some blood and guts and, and right. zombie mayhem that every zombie fan is going to want to see. And all I saw was a bunch of clever kind of comedy and some, you know, a lot of interaction. It (laughs) it was kind of going to draw a smile and some zombie things. And yeah, the zombies look cool. But all in all, this movie wasn't about the zombies. You know, it it wasn't about that at all. And it had disappointingly few zombies. Um, You know, we talked about the rules. Of Zombieland here, you know, and the, and the rules, that was a big kind of gimmick, a big device that uh, everybody was playing off of. You go, you look up the rules of Zombieland, you see a lot of websites popping up about this, because it was kind of a clever thing. And I think it was just a way to draw zombie fans in, you know, people that loved Romero and loved, you know, Zombie 2 and r- really into Return of the Living Dead and things. And you're like, oh, yeah, look, check out... You know, oh wow, that's really cool. Check the back seat. Yeah, that's so true, man. That's so true. That's that's cool. You know, that's, you know, and it's it's trying to, I think, artificially draw cred. So yeah, the hype behind this movie ruined it for me. It's almost like if they would not have hyped it so much, if they would not have drawn me into it and and pumped it up to be so much more than what it was, I might have enjoyed it more. I mean, is that is that, is that crazy? No, or? it's it's not. I mean, it, unfortunately, that happens to some of our. It happens to some potentially great movies that could have been favorites. Uh, but it's like, yeah, if you if you're if you have the wrong experience going into a movie and your expectations are set a certain way, and if you have a personal history that that sets you up a certain way, then yeah, it's going to get ruined. My experience with this was I, at, at the time, two thousand nine. I liked horror. I like I like a good horror movie. You know, I, but I wasn't just going out and buying up everything that's horror just because, just to see. You know, I, I wait for great movies. I love great movies, whether they're horror or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this time, I was probably I was probably less interested. And so th- it was also at a time in my life where I was going to see a lot of movies by myself. I'd go see double features two or three times a week. So I was seeing everything. Cool. And I didn't most of the time. I didn't have time to to look up what, what it was ahead of time. So I'm like, oh, Zombieland, Woody Harrelson. Jesse Eisenberg, cool. Like I went and saw it, and it was like, "This is freaking cool." Because I've been, I've, you know, I'm probably that crowd they were going for. Let's let's introduce zombies in a really cool way to a mass audience, and uh, because they're kind of they're getting more and more popular as characters, you know, as as themes to have in a movie. Um, 
And I was like, I, you know, I, I'd always thought they were really damn cool. And I love Shaun of the Dead. And I, I was like, oh, zombies are rad, you know. But then I, so I see this movie and I'm like, this is freaking cool. Like it brings up all these kind of, it's, it's, it, it was, it's, it's unique. I mean, this, this hasn't been done before. I'm sure yeah. people are going to try and do it afterwards. This was a unique take on, on zombie and existing in a, in a, in a world that's been overrun by, by a zombie uh, outbreak. Right. So in, in that sense, you're like, oh, you guys did do something new. You know, you, you found a spin on it that hadn't been done before. It wasn't a, oh, let's tell the same story, but with like cool effects or, you know, a cooler kind of hipper style. Like it really was like, oh, here's these new characters and this new way of telling this, the same story. And you weren't, um, you weren't upset that they equated this to Shaun of the Dead? I mean, to me, there's did, no see, comparison. That's the thing. I, I wouldn't compare them either because I think they're two different things. I like them almost equally. I will put Shaun of the Dead above this for sure. Um, but it's really close. I said for sure, and then I said it's really close. Anyway, <laughs> I will put Shaun of the Dead above this, but I feel like they're close. I enjoy them both. I, I like Shaun of the Dead more. That's for sure. Um, so, I, But I didn't hear any of that, man. So it's like, to me, I just went in and saw this movie with no expectations, no background. I missed all the hype. I didn't watch TV. I still don't watch TV, so I don't see stuff about, you know, like if it doesn't happen to show up on on, on in my, you know, my inbox or on Facebook or, or my bank website i'm probably not going to see it because i just miss a lot of that stuff and especially when i'm just going and seeing the volume of movies i was so my experience getting back to kind of what you're saying is like this could have been something you would have liked but because they compared i mean it's like our our experience going into this at the same time i mean it could have been the same night in different states that we were sitting and watching this movie but our experience leading up to that was so vastly different that that it it totally changes the way you view it you know because i was like this is fun these zombies are terrifying looking and when they come at you, like, uh, I, I think they're probably all going to get away, you know, like, you know, the, I think all these characters are probably going to survive. This doesn't seem like the type where a couple of them are going to die off, you know, like prematurely. I don't think that's the point of this. Like this is these relationships happening in a zombie infested world. You know, that's really what's happening here. And they happen to make it really cool and stylized and they happen to make the zombies really rad looking where I'm like, that's what I imagine, you know, and, and there are a couple sequences for me, uh, or scenes or whatever uh, that 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 really worked, which was like the the uh, the neighbor girl at the beginning when he's talking about how it all kind of started. Yeah, comes over and she's chasing around the house and and he has to freaking clock her with the you know <laughs> the top of the toilet. Like uh, it's awesome. like that. Yeah, I'm like that. I'm like okay, that was I felt that like you know going back to we've talked before about I don't like the feeling of being chased. You know that that's one of besides jump scares, being chased by something that's terrifying looking freaks me out. I don't care what they do when they catch you. It's just the fact that you're being chased by him. And so th- that sequel, I'm like, that, that was scary for me. And there's a couple other ones that, uh, uh, like, you know, in, in the amusement park, there's a couple little chases and things where there is a sense of, like, terror. So, I mean, as much as this movie isn't supposed to be scary, I think the average audience member, I mean, think about who America really is. You know, it's, yeah. it's parents and it's people that like Shania Twain, you know, like. <laughs> Did you like that summary of America? <laughs> uh, parents and Shania Twain fans. No, but but yeah. it's, but you know they they're going to be grossed out by this. This yeah, is going to be yeah. too. It's going to be too edgy. There's too much swearing. Uh, there's too much blood. The, the zombies are gross. Like they would have the middle America wouldn't have. So it is it is younger, which I'm like I'm okay with because you know when we're <clears throat> when these young kids that grew up on Zombieland get older and are reviewing horror movies, they're going to go. They don't make them like they used to. Every generation is going to freaking say that. It's just going to, and yeah. which is the best one? The one that came first. So we all have to go back and watch, you know, uh, Nosferatu and, you know, the cabinet of Dr. K 
Calgary. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how to say that. Hey, so, oh, yeah. those are the best because they came first, and and the next generation doesn't understand because they're changing. You're changing the formula. How dare you? You know, and I, and I that doesn't bother me for some reason. I'm okay with like a changing. Change is constant. It'll always happen. And so yeah. the fact that these things are becoming more, this it's entering into the mainstream, and that's something that's like, okay. Things might change, but when something you love is becoming exploited and marketed. And entering the mainstream, that's sad. Like if everybody listened to the Smiths, I'd be sad. I'd be, I'd be bummed out every time, you know. And yeah, when, yeah. But, but but the Smiths kind of sneak into like mainstream movies, you know, through the back door, and they're really still kind of hip. And I'm like, if something like Zombies that meant more to you know meant as much to me as they do to you, you know, like, and you have the history with them, then I'd be pissed that all these teenagers are like, if I saw teenagers wearing Smith's t-shirts, I'd go home and cry. I'd be pissed. You know, like, and so there's things like that. Yeah. I'm like, Oh dude, I don't want this to be raped by freaking corporate marketing America, you know? So I, I, I get your experience with it, but I, but I, but I, this just, my, my going into this, my watching it was like, I'm like, this is freaking, I, I think the humor in this is very clever. I think Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson's like performances or like just even facial expressions and little gestures. I'm like, that is great. That's great acting. This is a great story. The, the I will put out a. Uh, it did move too fast. I would have liked to have like dwelt on some of the relationships a little bit longer. It was it was very. Uh, there was never any like, <clears throat> never any real weight, you know, to like mm-hmm. consequences. There was never any like big kind of like, oh, what if? You, you kind of knew this was just a fun ride. This is a roller coaster ride. You know, like yeah. that's what it was. It was never. There's no weight to it. And then uh, uh, now, like looking back, and I will say. <clears throat> some of the dialogue kind of bugs me the whole nut up or shut up. And then like, and then oh, there God. are, you know, there's no <laughs> such thing as crying in zombie land. You know, it's like, it was like all these little, the rules were okay, but then like, uh, they, they reference zombies and zombie land so much. And, and everything was like these one liner kind of like little, they're like, Oh, this is going to be quoted. You know, you know, it's like yep. that some, some of the writing bugged me, but then other, the writing was freaking great. You know, it's like Bill Murray's character, and the way he dies and they're all their interaction with him. And, and like a lot of the dialogue, like, I mean, even the fact that Jesse Eisenberg wants to be a bad boy and he tips over the pup, pup, like the bucket of popcorn is like, oops, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, that is freaking funny. That is great. I don't care. I don't care if it's a romantic comedy, an action movie or a horror flick. I like seeing that. And I, and I like, I like seeing new things made out of old things. Like I like seeing these hybrids where it's not like, you know, like, again, I'm beating a dead horse, but I, I, these classic definitions of horror is this way, and we don't ever want it to change. I'm like, that's my, that's your parents talking. That's grandpa. Like, oh, damn self, yeah. damn cell phones. They can't ever change. No. You know? Like, whatever yeah. happened to writing a letter, you kids? Like, and I'm like, dude, things are gonna change. So, so yeah. you know, enjoy them for what they are. I, 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 I can totally see that. I can totally see that and appreciate it. And now, damn it, I'm, I'm like torn here because <laughs> I seriously, coming from the standpoint of a longtime zombie fan, like I, I look at this and I did not see the zombie threat as being right. very threatening. You know, sure. there was no real zombie tension, not very claustrophobic, except for maybe one scene towards the end. Woody's in that whole, you know, enclosed right. place yeah. and he starts firing. You know, maybe a little bit. But as far as what makes zombie movies effective, this just did not have it. It was very, very disappointing that in a movie called Zombieland, the zombies just didn't deliver. And yeah, they were cool looking. And yeah, there was some great great zombie looking effects and blood and everything but i was not scared at all 
during yeah. this film, I was more entertained. I was more drawn to laugh, even though I didn't laugh because I was pissed. Because I came here to see, you know what I mean? I came here to see a zombie yeah. movie. And yeah, that was funny, but why are you putting this in a zombie movie, man? Why are you putting this in here? So I, I'm teetering on the edge of, of being one of these dinosaurs out here that is saying, ooh, you know, zombie movies are like this. And if they're not like this, then they're not zombie movies and they're not scary. And here's where I'm standing. You know, I don't want to be like that. I want to be very open-minded. And I realize that things are going to evolve and change over time. But uh, I look at a movie like this and I don't understand what is so scary horror-wise about it. And why you can put it into a zombie horror class at the same time because it, it just doesn't do the same thing to me as as uh, you know even Shaun of the Dead they worked so much horror into yeah. the comedy alongside of it and they and there, blended it perfectly and, and there was they, a lot of threat of zombies in that yes. in that movie yeah whereas this they there was nothing so maybe maybe when they said the american version of Shaun of the Dead maybe that was appropriate as far as America nowadays goes, and I don't want to, you know, get into a whole, you know, <laughs> analysis of our culture and America right. nowadays, and I, I, I don't want to go there. But uh, you know, generally speaking, you know, maybe this is where the states want to go. You know, I see this. It was hyped as the American Shaun of the Dead. Like I said, pisses me off beyond anything. I you're I right. Go you're into. right to be pissed off about that. And they, they, that was purely a marketing technique with no truth to it whatsoever. Well, when uh, horror fans go out and see this American horror fans go out to see this, do you think they're getting behind this? Because a lot of them are kind of, kind of irked that, uh, we're seeing so few effective American horror films being produced now. Um, as opposed to foreign horror films, I mean, we're inundated with a lot of great horror outside yeah. of the States right now. And so maybe American horror fans, American zombie fans are kind of irked by this. And so they're kind of getting behind anything that they see coming out of the U.S. And they're kind of being like, hooray, USA, rah, rah, go zombie land, man. Look at what we did. <laughs> And this is the answer that we have to Shaun of the Dead. And look at that. What do you got to say to that? And so is there maybe a little bit, and I'm overplaying it a little bit, and maybe, maybe you know, kind of, kind of exaggerating things, but maybe is that sort of the mindset where we're like, man, this is a zombie movie we made in Hollywood to sort of show people over in the UK that, yeah, we can make a great zombie movie. Here well, well, looking at looking at who wrote and direct this, I don't think they're sending messages abroad whatsoever. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah. no, I it's, it's, it, the, what you're saying, what it what it makes me think is that most of the criticism. I mean, so yeah, this is a really slick, really MTV, really hip, really young uh, comedy that's set in a horror world. You know, like. Yeah. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is very similar to that. You know, it's like, oh, this is the premise is horror, but the actual uh, film is is comedy, you right. know, or, or romance, which which we've cited like you know several films that fall into that category, like Dead Alive. Even it's like, is anybody really scared? Or are they laughing at the? But that one is based more in gore, and uh, at least they're trying to play up the threat of these monsters. I can't even bring Dead Alive into the whole discussion when compared. To no, Zombieland. no, I'm not trying to compare them. I'm saying, <laughs> but the, but as far as like 
those movies aren't scary. You know, Biozombie. Yeah. yeah. You know, Dead Alive, uh, Video Dead. Like yes all these movies no, were like. I guess. Yeah. I I was I, I was scared more at the couple sequences that we mentioned in Zombieland than anything that happened in those movies. But I think I think. I don't think you have to be uh I don't think any of us have to be dinosaurs in terms of like turning down anything new. I mean you can you can pick and choose what you want to. I th- but I think what this is missing and you touched on it it's I think it's absolutely kind of central. This movie alienates uh, hor- uh classic horror fans feel alienated by this movie because there is no the the whole tone of the movie is not threat and fear. Right. And so that is a def- that is a that is a a, a change in the fundamental definition of what horror is right Right. fear threat terror like that's not where this movie lived it had moments of it and it was in a world that could have been that way the focus was not on zombies the focus is not on being afraid the focus is here are these people living in this world that interact with the zombies occasionally but it's really more about their relationships you know and it's about where they end up and ultimately they get the the they can't avoid that zombie world forever it you know it they they have to face it they can only they can only drive around in their in their hummer and you know stay at bill murray's mansion for so long before they they're faced with it you know um yeah. but for some reason this my definition of what makes a good movie is this this satisfies all of it the fact that it overlaps into horror is is a plus for me and that's the yeah. way i see it you know, this is a great movie that overlaps into comedy. Mostly, it's a comedy movie that overlaps into horror and action and a, and a couple other things. But uh, yeah, so I, but but I but most of the discussion you hear about this movie isn't about the movie itself. It tends to be about the circumstances surrounding it. The state this this movie for most horror fans brings up a conversation of the state of horror, kids these days. Uh, you know, big uh, marketing machines, you know, like Sony Pictures and millions of dollars of hype and comparisons to the legends. Like it's all things outside of the actual just sitting down and watching this movie that's fun, get a bunch of good zombie kills, effects look great. It's mostly fun, you know. But most yeah. of the conversation criticizing it is is everything but the movie. And then, the, and then that makes them pit, pissed about a couple things in the movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> is that fair? To that say? is totally fair in that this movie draws so much discussion. And we can talk yes. about it. And I love the point you just brought up, and I never thought of it before, where this has just enough horror in it that it crosses the boundaries as far as horror, comedy, a lot of different genres. And it might piss a lot of horror people off. Um, but it it caters to other genres at the same time. And uh, I kind of, I find that interesting because there's enough horror there. There's a little bit of horror. I, it doesn't satisfy the gore hound in me, and it doesn't satisfy no. the, the zombie fan, the longtime zombie fanatic that lives in me, but there's enough horror in there that, I'm interested in this movie. And in fact, I mean, I've watched this twice. I mean, I actually, I, I bought it on Blu-ray just because oh, wow. I was hoping that if I see this again and, you know, I'm sober and, you know, I'm watching it, you know, and totally concentrating on this film alone that it's going to deliver. And visually, again, it was a visual feast at times. Stunner, yeah. But uh, again, it just overall did not deliver the kind of zombie movie that I wanted to see. I don't That's know. That's okay. It, it was that, that, it, that totally makes sense. To me, it was, every, it was the most overrated zombie movie 
ever. <laughs> I, I mean, it breaks I, all records. Hey, it, I wish that nobody knew about this movie and I had it to myself. I yeah. wish it was the Smiths, you know? Yeah, I, I wish... I, again, it's so weird cool. when you think about circumstances, and I love you bring out the Smiths. And whenever you say the Smiths, I equate that on a personal level of mine to the Melvins, because I mm-hmm. love the Melvins, and so few people appreciate the Melvins the way I do. And I wish I could see every movie in the same light that I see the Melvins. And it's a, it's a it's a weird parallel. It's very personal and very very whatever but i can i can see that and i wish i would have seen this without all the hype without sony just throwing the whole kitchen sink and everything out there to me beforehand and saying <laughs> yeah. this is going to be the best zombie movie you've ever seen because if you're going to tell that to me i'm i'm totally the wrong person to tell that to right you know and uh it's got to deliver and i did not i did no, I, was, I think I was going where you're going. Where I, I you know, I it's uh, my time is ending, and I, I want to get to rating this puppy. What do you think? Amen, amen. I'm really, uh, I'm. Uh, where do you where do you fall, man? This is this, this, this is, is tough. Yeah, it, no, it totally is. But I have to go off of as I always do. I have to go off of what I think and what I would recommend to my friends. You know, that like horror. Movies. I'm like, you like horror movies? You should watch this one. You know, like that's kind of where I'm going. Like. So I, I I don't care about the average horror fan. I don't care about you know I don't care what the rules are or the definitions of horror are. I know that this movie uh, has an, has enough horror in it. You know it's set in a horror world. It has horror sequences. These are freaking bloody, uh, nasty, gory zombies. You know that are that you as much as you're like I wanted more. Th- there's there's enough that uh, this this crosses the border into horror, and I'm glad for it because I get to review it on this podcast and watch it again because I love this movie. So I am going to I – mean, it does have its drawbacks. I think it moves a little too quickly. I think it, it could have had more fear and more threat in it and it still would have, it still would have stood up. Actually, it probably would have been better. And some of the, some of the little catchphrases uh, outside of the rules because I'm okay with them. But some little catchphrase kind of like uh, writing, which wasn't all of it, 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 it kind, of, kind of turned me off a little bit, this, this guy would go around. So as I, I thought I was going to be like, yeah, 10, of course. But I'm actually going to go a nine because there are movies that are above this when it, when it comes to horror for me. There's movies that are above this period. Uh, but I think this is, for me, this is a fun, uh, this is a, it's just a fun movie to watch. It's a roller coaster ride with a bunch of comedy, some great relationships. I love seeing a little romance. I love seeing comedy. I love seeing a horror and some gore and some freaking. Uh, people getting their heads shot off. You know, I I love it. So this had this had a lot of everything that I really liked, but it wasn't perfect. It wasn't ideal. Uh, there was room for improvement as far as I see it. So I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Well, I will agree with a nine um, when I look at it from your perspective and sure. uh, from that demographic, that audience. Um, I understand it. I appreciate it. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but uh, man. I didn't grow up on this kind of thing. I didn't get into horror because of this kind of thing. I mean, I, I got into horror because of Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Michael Jackson's Thriller. I mean, I, I was, mm-hmm. it, it was just, I, I grew up on a whole different thing, and I, I envisioned horror and appreciated horror and feared horror because of a whole different and kind of thing. So uh, you might be surprised. Well, maybe not. 
Uh, I give this a four. Um, I just did not like this movie. I thought it was too forced. I thought it was too MTV again. Um, it was too pop culture. I thought it was taking zombies, which is a really popular thing right now. Zombies a big thing, uh, and uh, packaging it and really catering to a very young audience. And maybe I, again, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm looking at Romero and and uh, you know Russo, The Return of Living Dead, everything. And saying that, well, these are zombie movies, real zombie movies, you know, not not these kind of kind of things, these newfangled kind of zombie movies you see nowadays, you know. I I just I, I don't I, know. I don't think I don't think. Sorry to interrupt you, like no. in your own review, but the, I don't think I don't think it's that you're resistant to change because you like a lot of things that are very edgy, that are very out there, that most people aren't willing to accept. You know, uh, we've been over them in the past, or but it's like you 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 are open to the the new definitions of zombie movies. You have your favorites and you have what you grew up on, but I, I perceive you as being open to those definitions. I think this, uh, you know, because of the fact that this wasn't, there wasn't enough zombies, they, were, they weren't threatening, you know, very, they're hardly threatening. This wasn't about fear. This wasn't about gore. This wasn't about like, what if zombies were attacking you? That's, I mean, that's the premise that you, that really drives hardcore horror fans and zombie fans. It's like, they're after you. What are you going to do? What do they look like? What are they capable of? Like, mm. and that's, that wasn't the question in this movie. Right. And right. so, so that makes, it makes perfect sense to me that you would give it a four based on your criteria. And I don't think it makes you, I don't think it's going into that dinosaur definition of, of horror and being like, we and it can't accept change. I, you can't, <laughs> I, I can't, I wouldn't accept a, a change of, uh, this isn't a pure horror fan. This is a comedy with horror. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, and I don't think anybody should be able to, to redefine what horror means, which is fear. And terror, and this movie isn't about fear and terror. Right. So I, 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 I that, that definition isn't there. So I don't think that I don't think that you're opposing change. Thank you, thank you for at least understanding that, even though you don't agree with it. But uh, you, you, you get where I'm coming from. As is the same as I get where you're coming from, and uh, I think that's very important. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't get the horror aspect of this. <clears throat> at all and i i get the enjoyment of it yeah i love seeing bill murray yeah i love seeing woody harrelson and jesse eisenberg does a good job you know as far as entertainment and i if it's packaged as an entertaining kind of thing and right. not as a zombie horror kind of thing well yeah yeah that was that was kind of cool but uh as far as a horror fan goes i can't recommend this i really can't it's uh there are far more other zombie movies out there in the past and in the present that uh, are going to fulfill you as far as horror goes. And uh, not to say, I could go into it again. Zombies were very cool, but uh, I, there are so many different <laughs> dimensions to this. And, right. and terror, I, I appreciate that uh, you can spend time talking about a film, again, that uh, I think we have to credit to uh, drawing so much discussion. It brings up a great discussion. Always does. It does. So thank Always you again. Will. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you again <laughs> for, uh, for taking your time to talk to me. Thanks for having me on the electric chair. It was fantastic. You have brought on the apocalypse. You have launched the beginning of the end. And now nothing and no one can prevent the ultimate disaster. Why don't you stop telling lies? You all know why they've been running from their homes, 
What brought them to this state of terror? They're running from their children, their parents, their brothers, transformed into vile creatures that feast on human flesh. Into monsters, killing without pity at all. Brother eats brother. Mothers devour their offspring in a chain of foul slaughter until nothing will remain but the bare earth soaked in putrefying blood. Well, I was hanging out on Twitter the other day, as I do, like, way, way too much. And uh, one of my Twitter friends, uh, by the name of Movie Voyeur, suggested to me that uh, I watch Troll Hunter. It's a 2011 movie, and he'd really like to know my take on it. Now, Troll Hunter, I've, uh, I, up until that point, I hadn't seen it. And it was one of those movies that I wanted to see, and it was in my pile of 2C movies that is way too big. And so he brought this up and I said, all right, well, you've just uh, moved that movie to the top of my pile just because you mentioned it. And uh, so there we go. And I'm really, really happy to have two guests for this review with me right now. Uh, first of all, uh, the man who is back and stronger than ever, my friend, Jay the Dead. Jay, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight, man. Midnight Corey, it is a pleasure. I'm so excited to be sitting in the electric chair. I'm all strapped in, brother, oh, ready to cook. Are. You, you're ready to get shocked, man. And just That's zapped. right. Oh, and a second of all, one of the hosts of Devouring the Podcast, I got to welcome a fantastic podcaster and a great person overall. Jamie, welcome, man. Oh, thank you. You're way too kind. I am so happy to be here. And it, apparently I lucked out in coming in as Jay was coming back, so I didn't have to deal with any of him being gone, which I'm so happy about. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I missed him, uh, just hearing him and talking to him, and now he's back, and it's like, awesome, yeah. awesome, there he is. And, uh, yeah. Thank you guys, you, you joined me tonight, and I just kind of, I, I posted this late notice this week, because I knew I wanted to review the movie, and I just wanted people to talk about it with, and you guys jumped right in here, so th thank you for doing this uh, on a Saturday <laughs> night, of all things, you know, and you could be doing a lot of other fun things, and instead you decide to spend it with me, so thank you. Totally. <laughs> Anytime you ask me out on a Saturday night, midnight, Corey, I'll oh, be there. Oh, <laughs> wow. We're, we're, we're like triple dating here tonight. And, uh, this is, nice. this is, uh, hey, I like my odds. This isn't so bad. Oh, <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Well, Troll Hunter, um, you guys jumped right on this. Um, have you seen it uh, before I mentioned it here to, to review tonight? Jay, have you seen this before? No, sir, I had not, but it has been on my list, and I've been super excited to see it. And so thank you for the opportunity. I'm, um, I'm glad to have seen it. <laughs> cool, cool. And Jamie, have you seen it prior to talking about this? No, I had not, and I had just mentioned on our last episode of Devour that I wanted to, so you gave me the perfect excuse to watch it right now. Ooh. Well, this is great. This is great, because I was in the same boat, you know, hearing from uh, Movie Voyeur on Twitter, and uh, so we all have excuses now to, to watch some great movies, and uh, this is one I, I can't wait to get into, so uh, let's just roll with it. This is a found footage film. So uh, I, I'm a sucker for found footage. I just, I am into these movies. They just get me. Um, and a lot of people are turned off by that. And a lot of people just can't figure out what the, what the appeal is there. But uh, I, am, I am all about it. They get me like every time, nine times out of 10, if, if it's a found footage horror film, uh, I'm going to dig it to, to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, it is Norwegian also, which adds a whole different dimension it is very interesting in this um, because the whole troll thing, of course, comes from the Scandinavian region. 
there's actually a lot of history and, and background into the mythos. And I started reading up about this. Do you guys know know much about trolls at all? Kind of the the background and just from a geek gaming point of view, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done any formal troll research, but yeah. yeah, fairy tales and and from the geek side. <laughs> cool. Yeah. This. Uh, this kind of holds true to a lot of the um, mythology because I, I just went on the Wikipedia page about it and there's a little troll legends wiki page and, and uh, this, you know, we see a lot of this coming through and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this as it goes on. But uh, let me give a quick synopsis of what goes on and uh, we'll start things off. Basically we have this uh, crew of, uh, I believe college students in Norway and they're doing this project. They're interested in this sudden rash of these bears turning up uh, dead um, because bear hunting is strictly uh, regulated by the Norwegian government. And there's only a certain number of bear hunters that are licensed to go out. And these bears turn up shot and none of these licensed bear hunters have shot the bears. And so they're all up in arms. They're talking about poachers and this is a big, big deal there. And they're trying to get to the bottom of this. So this this college crew is going out and they're kind of doing, I, I guess, a little project about it, a little documentary, something like that. And they end up finding the man that they uh, suspect to be the poacher, the guy that's going out and killing these bears. And the, and they try to, they actually follow him around, try to interview him, try to talk to him. And he just brushes them off, brushes them off and tells them to go away. Eventually, they just keep following him and, and running into him and eventually he kind of gives in they witness what he's really doing and he is hunting trolls these enormous creatures that live deep in the woods or live deep in the mountains and they come out and uh, they they cause all kind of problems whenever they wander outside of their territory where they're supposed to be and so he is supposed to kind of keep the trolls in their space and if they come out of their space he has to deal with them and, uh, and, and they witness this firsthand. Uh, of course, you know, when he brings it up at first, they're, they're a little skeptical. You know, it's, uh, it, it goes from there. Um, it, we keep hunting trolls. We keep getting more information about them, and they are very real. And uh, some really, really crazy things happen. Um, of course, I don't try to, try to spoil movies, and I think this is definitely worth watching. So uh, I don't want to get too much into it and, and give things away because there, there are certain little things going on that you you know want people to be surprised by. So uh, let's start off with this. Jamie, um, how are you with the found footage kind of thing? Are you like a big found footage fan or are you kind of on the line? Where are you? No, as a rule, I love them. You know, um, films like, wreck especially um which i know you are very fond of i'm excited about the third one coming out for that yes. i really as long as the what i guess <laughs> i'm sorry i get so excited <laughs> <laughs> um as long as the premise is something believable then you know i'm in it and that can be sometimes the most difficult thing is you have to you know, give a good reason for someone to be recording everything that's going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And if a, if a film does a good job of that, then I generally, I, I love the idea. Um, I think it sort of gives you the feeling of being right there. Um, like with Rec, for instance, it was almost like being in a haunt, like a, like a fun house, you know, like just like running through the whole thing with them and, and, you know, got scary, you know. Mm-hmm. And in this example, 
I think it was solid. You know, I think they did a great job with that. So, Absolutely. That's one of the biggest gripes that people have about found footage films is why are they filming this? You know, why at this point in time, at this point in, in terror when something horrible is happen, happening, mm -hmm. are, are you filming this with a camera and not just running away, dropping the camera, which any normal person would do? Um, but they had a very good reason, so that's a, that's a great point. Um, and Jay, I know I've I've talked about found footage with you a lot of times before. Um, yes. So, what did you think about this in terms of the found footage sub sub genre or whatever you want to call it? Did this work for you? Totally. I mean, for those who don't know, I absolutely love found footage movies. In fact, I I would go so far as to say that I even love a bad found footage movies just because I, I don't know, it, it appeals to me so much. And even if it's not a super scary movie, it's kind of freaky to me because it seems so real. So, I mean, there are two, two things I wanted to comment on this mm -hmm. regarding the found footage. Number one, I think it's interesting, you know, they, they used to make movies in the 70s or whatever, and it'd be like based on a true story. And that, that has become, over the years, more and more of a stretch, really. Because it might be, like, barely based on events or based on true events. And with this, I mean, okay. <laughs> Obviously, it's a, they're claiming that this is actual documentary footage of, of trolls. But most people probably don't believe in trolls. And so, you know, we you could probably You don't believe in trolls? <laughs> most people. <laughs> I see trolls every day online. Come on. I know. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. right. Don't feed them. Do not feed right. the trolls. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it. I, I wasn't going to. But, <laughs> but yeah, totally. Most people don't believe it. But so I, I think it's interesting that we're getting to the point where our movies are blatantly uh, lying outright about things being true or authentic footage as they do here. But for found footage, I mean, it wouldn't work otherwise, right? I mean. Yeah. It no. has to be, uh, the premise has to be where it's true. Yeah. So that's the first part. Yeah, exactly. And they come out, there's even titles at the beginning of the movie explaining it all. The, you know, right. that the, these were mailed to us anonymously, these hard drives full of this footage. This is uncut. This is what really happened. And it, 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 here you go. So, yes. yeah, yeah, you're, you're, and, you're right on. You and know, I more... didn't even realize this was a found footage film when I started watching it because I hadn't read anything about it. I just... I don't know. It was just I just knew that I heard good things about it, so I wanted to watch it. So I just popped it on. It was on Netflix, and I didn't read the synopsis, you know. And um, I was like, oh, oh boy! I'm like, I got really excited when I when you know the, the little titles came up, and I saw that that's what it was. So. Oh, yeah. And something that you said, Maven Jamie, that I totally agree with is that you know if the premise is is good for the found footage, like the reason that they're filming it, then it gives it a lot more power. And that's something that I love about this movie, which I really think works, you guys, because I love it when a horror movie's premise is based on something else. I mean, the characters are doing something else. They're trying to follow this poacher around and find out why these dead bears are happening. And, but then it turns out they actually get to film actual trolls, and it's like, this is, this is legendary. You know, they're getting footage of real trolls. So, I mean, it, it works for their motivation for actually doing it. Yeah, they fell into it, and they didn't even mean to. Like, they had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, so, And we get to go on that ride with them. You know, we get to discover what's going on as they discover what's going on. Right. Yes. Right. And uh, commenting on the camera work here, uh, another complaint that people have with found footage films is, oh, the shaky cam. The whole movie's shaky. Um, this, 
had its shaky moments, but they were actually very rare. It was only when they were full panic running from from the trolls. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, this was, I think, fantastic in the way of camera work. Uh, it was very smooth. Um, man, it, it was very beautiful. Uh, it just, I, I was really impressed by that. They're, they're, you know, it's not like the whole time they're zooming in and out and moving the camera here to there and, and, and stuff. I mean, these were, these were filmmakers, which I think helped in that regard because they right. were actually trying to shoot well. You know, they weren't just somebody, some random guy with a video camera. Um, mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that. Um, and the scenery, you know, I just, I, I need to comment on Norway. It's breathtaking. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was so beautiful. It was, yes. I, I want to go there now. I so do I. Trolls or right. no trolls, I want to go. Yeah, <laughs> just stay near power lines. <laughs> yeah, yes, I love that. Yeah. Oh, but it was the mountains and the hillsides and all the beautiful scenery that we saw. Man, I have never seen Norway like this before. So the imagery I thought was great. Uh, Jay, do you agree? Do you, uh, what do you think visually of this thing? Yeah, absolutely. The the uh, the locations were just tremendous, and and that really added to the authenticity of feeling of the film because it's like, yeah, they're really there, and this is really happening. I mean that. So I have, I I totally agree with you. And in fact, um, you know, I don't know if this is drifting too much from your subject, but also another thing I liked about that is that this this really didn't have a soundtrack to it, which I thought was super distracting in Romero's Diary of the Dead. Because she's like, anyway, in the beginning, she's like, we put music to it to add to the effect. And I'm like, no, that's dumb. Because if this is, <laughs> if this is found footage, it's not going to have music behind it. And so I actually love that, that it was um, silent. I mean, am I, am I overlo- did I overlook some music or not hear some music? Because I don't think there was any. I, I, I didn't even notice. And now that you I say it, I think you're either. right. I don't, I don't think there was any. I typically pick up on music. Sound is very important to me in a film. And I typically will pick up on a soundtrack um, and pay special attention to it. But I don't recall there being one. Yeah. So good point. That's an excellent point. And uh, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then one other thing about the, the handheld. Sorry to go back to that. But with, with handheld um, you know, films like this, I think that handheld and subtitles don't mix very well, at least for me, because usually in a handheld film, and this is a criticism I have, if you're reading the subtitles, I mean, they usually flash a scary image and it's pretty quick. I mean, that's kind of how these films are designed because they want us to uh, see a glimpse of something real quick and then get like spooked by it. But if I'm reading, then I'm going to miss that. And so I think that's not a good mix. And unfortunately, unless you speak what is it, Norwegian? Mm. <laughs> then, <laughs> then you know you're reading the subtitles. Yeah, yeah, but I'm glad they didn't overdub this um, because that was another thing I was going to comment on was the language. Like I, I just love that language. Like it's so strange to me because they they use different combinations of sounds than I'm used to in the English language. Um, mm. It's a very unique sounding tongue, and uh, I just love to hear it because it's it's very like I said, very different to me, but at the same time, it's very interesting. So, but I agree about the subtitles because I actually watched this twice. Um, and the second time I definitely missed, or I definitely picked up on things that I missed the first time. 
because mm -hmm. you're right. Uh, I'm trying to look at what they're saying and uh, you miss certain things. You miss even little nuances, you know, little expressions, little every once in a while, somebody gives a look to the camera that just says a lot. <laughs> you know, they make a certain face or a gesture or something. Um, the Jim Halpert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. exactly exactly and you know you're reading subtitles you miss stuff like that and it's really important but that's that's a great point i don't know but i like subtitles because I, i've said this before i am I'm very uh, i'm not diagnosed adhd but i'm, I'm pretty sure i'm close to it <laughs> you know like if i'm watching something like anything distracts me anything distracts me and it's got to be a great 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 engaging movie to really keep my attention. So my art, my eyes tend to dart around a lot to different things while I'm watching even good movies. Um, but subtitles are a way that uh, kind of force me to keep my eyes glued to the picture. They're like, they're like your Ritalin. Yes, yes. Maybe you should get some horse blinders I, for, <laughs> when you're watching I've a movie. I've never thought Just of that. My wife right. would think I'm even crazier than she already thinks I am. So, uh, Yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, it's there are there are definite pros and cons to this. So let's get into um, the look of the trolls. Uh, obviously, CGI here all the way. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. There was no puppeteering yes. here. Um, what did you guys think of that? Normally, it's a negative thing to most people. So Jamie, uh, when it came to the trolls, seeing them on screen, what what were your impressions? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say I was really excited that we got to see them. I was kind of wondering how they were going to pull it off. And before we actually saw the first one, I um, I turned and I was like, I wonder if we're going to get to see the trolls. And then probably, I don't know, three minutes later, the the this one comes out of the trees. And I was like, oh, we get to see the trolls. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wasn't sure like what kind of budget they were dealing with or, you know, whether it was something they'd be able to pull off because the rest of the film had been so good so far. I didn't want bad special effects to blow it yes and um i was really happy you know i i thought they did a great job now the one thing i had a question about though was there was a scene in in a cave where they came across sort of a clan of trolls those particular trolls reminded me of muppets with the way their hair swung <laughs> yes. you know they had the longer noses and everything but the Amen. way they walked they sort of lumbered and their hair was kind of swingy like you know like a giant muppet like some of the jen henson larger muppets and did anyone else right. notice that you know does that yes <laughs> okay now yes. what were those practical trolls or were those also cgi uh, i don't know and it, that's great that it's hard to tell and that's so funny jamie i have that right here in my notes Right here it says, I thought of Jim Henson's Muppets. Really? Me yes. Wow. Yeah. So I wrote Muppets too. Oh, in yeah. my notes. <laughs> great minds. Great minds, you know. That's right. But, That's right. Uh, well, I think it was really the noses for me. Yeah. Especially on the 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 first troll that we see, the tosser lad, the three headed troll. Like it 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 um you know, that the the proboscis, so to speak, was very <laughs> Muppet like. It looks like you could squeeze it. Yeah. <laughs> and honk their nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that holds true. The look of the trolls hold true to a lot of uh, depictions historically uh, of trolls. In fact, I mean, I was just talking about I was on the Wikipedia page. First thing that you see on there, the first image that they have up are trolls that look exactly like this. And it's like an image that somebody drew in like 1919, I think. So historically, I mean, they did their homework here. They knew what they were talking about. Um, and the look was was dead on to what people historically think certain trolls look like. So 
But were they gigantic, Midnight Cory? Or um, because I've always been under the impression that trolls were kind of smaller guys. But but no. Well, these are gigantic. Here's the thing: <laughs> it, trolls in Norway are uh, kind of the same thing as like zombies are here mm-hmm. to us now, where like everybody has their own take on them. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of different variations of them. In fact, I was reading and and trolls, sometimes you can't differentiate them from normal people. Um, but uh, they just happen to be kind of uh, soulless creatures and uh, with, with this bit of a, a supernatural element to them. And so some people say, oh, no, you can't tell them from real people. They don't have any kind of distinguishing characteristics, the nose, the size, the, the hairy thing, the tail, anything like that. And there are other legends, though, where they are these enormous mountain dwellers like we see here. So wow. it's kind of all over the place. And I had to equate that to like the whole zombie thing where we see any and all right. kinds of zombies doing any, anything and everything. Well, just I actually loved it. I have to say, I mean, I loved it that they were huge because think about this. How often in horror movies really are we dealing with giants? I mean, most recently it comes to mind Cloverfield. Cloverfield. He had a giant. <laughs> and maybe Godzilla, also King Kong. Also a found footage film. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. And so like, you know, but in horror, I think it's very difficult to pull off giants and make them um, scary, even though giants are intrinsically menacing <laughs> just because they're so big. But I think it's hard to execute that in filmmaking. But these giants, number one, they were effective. And I think they looked, aside from the the Muppet, you know, Muppet-like features once in a while, I think they looked pretty convincing. The other part of that, as far as to answer your question with the look, Midnight Cory, is that a lot of times we we see them at night or through the the infrared night vision, and so it's the picture is very obscured. It's kind of like the Jurassic Park T Rex at night when it's raining, you don't see them as well. But I think that lended itself to helping us, you know, believe them. Oh yeah, and but it wasn't that we saw them that way every time, um, because we we did see some regular footage, I guess mm-hmm. you know clear footage of them. And um, there are a lot of scenes. The one scene, I, I got it. There, there are a lot of great scenes I'm going to talk about here. But the one, I think my favorite scene of the whole movie is the bridge. And oh. oh, yeah. The sheep on the bridge. Yeah. Oh, that poor sheep. Oh. <laughs> that poor sheep. Poor hands. I mean, that guy. That's some great armor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Oh, but that, right. that scene was crazy. And uh, that was not any of the the night vision look. Uh, we we saw the troll, you know, basically grab a sheep off the bridge and pound it into the ground, and then start to eat it. <laughs> and then uh, you know, there's there's hands, and he he's going on top of the bridge trying to lure it because his whole thing he 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 uh, is working with certain scientists to uh, gather blood samples, and it's this whole like. He's working for the government, but he's not officially working for the government. It's a it's a big cover mm-hmm. up, and and uh, there's a lot of complications there. But he needs to get a blood sample. They're studying it for some reason, and he has this enormous syringe, which <laughs> I love. That syringe <laughs> that was great. Uh, yes, and so he goes up, and he has this armor that he obviously crafted himself. You know, probably out of buckets and whatever other metal things that he could find. And uh, mm-hmm. as he confronts the troll, the troll pounds him. I mean, pounds him. I thought he was dead. Yes. 
at that Me point. Too. Yeah, so did I. So did I. Yeah, but that was actually startling. I mean, it's so violent that scene. I mean, relatively speaking to the rest of the film, that you're like, it, you're a little bit startled. I was at least. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Well, I didn't expect him to ever be in that sort of peril. Like I wasn't, you know, he's he's the professional. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, he does this all the time. So when he was just that vulnerable all of a sudden, it it, it did. It, I, it startled me. You know, it, it was a little jarring. I was like, oh, no. I mean, and then when I thought he was dead, I'm like, oh, these poor little babes in the woods, they have no idea what's, you know, what to do now. And um, so, you know, I was glad that he wasn't. But <laughs> but it was definitely startling. Yeah. Yeah. I love this character. Um, he's he's a badass. I mean, this guy is so tough. He's like uh, the most interesting guy in the world. That's, that's who he kept exactly, reminding me of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't you know. always battle trolls, but when right. I do. <laughs> yeah. When I do, I use my UVB gun. Yes. <laughs> I'm totally yes. going to make a, a, a an image of this now and then post it online of that oh, uh, great. that whole thing. That's that's brilliant. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. And in you know, and, and that actor, I, I failed to look at his name, but he nailed that role. I mean, he was convincing in this yes. role. I think he totally nailed it. And the other thing that reminded with this character, did he make you guys think of um, Don Quixote at all? Because here we have a guy who was kind of like, a, well, at least in Don Quixote, like he was out fighting windmills and all these beasts that nobody else believed in. But to him, they were very real. And I saw a Don Quixote parallel here because... To this guy, trolls were very real and a lot of people, like when the documentarists first heard his story, they're like, whatever, they aren't trolls. But he reminded me of Don Quixote, especially when I saw him in his makeshift armor. That's brilliant. Wow, that, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Oh, and you were dead on. I can totally see that. But it's not something I thought of myself, I'm ashamed to say. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but excellent. I, I love making connections like that. Wow, I have, this, I have this whole new outlook now on on this guy and this the, the whole like. Do you think maybe they were they were kind of writing that in? Do you, do you think that was an intentional thing? I I do. I wonder about that because I mean that's really the interesting thing about that book is um, to to Don Quixote like these things are as real as can be, and if he's fighting a windmill, I mean it may be just a windmill, but to him it's an actual monster in his mind. And I'm not saying that the trolls in this are just in their minds, but I think it is um, an interesting parallel. Well, he sort of has to, I guess he sort of has to approach his life that way because as far as everyone is concerned, you know, he can't exactly prove that they're real. He can't really tell anyone what he's doing because the whole thing is a secret. Mm -hmm. So he sort of has to fight them, fight his own battles on his own, you know, and in his own mind pretty much because he doesn't have anyone to tell about it. So I can see, you know, there's kind of a parallel there. I personally, the moment that I loved him the most was when he was telling the story about the slaughtering, like when he had to go in and take out all the trolls, you know, and he's talking about newborns that hadn't started to walk and, and pregnant moms and, and little kids. And it just, that moved me. It really did. You know, and then the fact that the veterinarian, for instance, was saying, you know, we wish they didn't have to go through so much pain. I mean, they were treating them as, you would treat any other creature. You don't want it to suffer. You hate to have to do what you have to do. Yeah. It's not like it's not as if they were battling monsters, you know, something from mythology that it's okay to kill because they're pure evil. I mean, these were actual creatures to them that, you know, really deserved to live and you could tell they felt bad about what they had to do or he felt bad about what he had to do. And I yeah. thought that was very touching. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh, it was a great a couple moments there that you mentioned, you know, with with him and with the scientist where it was uh, developing their characters. It was a- adding a little bit of dimension because you come off seeing him as, you know, just a, a troll killer, just a guy. He, he doesn't really display a lot of emotion. He just kind of goes and does what he does and he's okay with it. But mm-hmm. yeah, when he sits down and he tells that story, um, that adds depth to the character that is something that's missing in a lot of found footage films. A lot of these found yes. footage films just don't, I think, have a lot of that in it. it it's almost like the, the the medium, the found footage thing, doesn't lend itself to a lot of character development and uh, dimensionality. They don't have the time. You know, yeah. it's not something that they're focusing on because, well, one, they don't expect the footage to have to be found. You know, <laughs> they probably, right. in most of those cases, they're, you know, they're they're going to be doing whatever they plan to do with the footage and it's, you know, they'll, they'll be adding their own stuff to it or whatever. And, um, and this, we just, you know, we got lucky in that they had these, these fantastic moments to actually talk to him, like in the diner when they were asking about the different kinds of trolls and then he showed them the form, you know, the felled <laughs> troll yes. form or what, I mean, it's just so many brilliant little things that they took the time to do. Yeah. Just puts this film so far above so many others. Right. Yeah. And I like that, too, Maven Jamie, because there was like you could tell from his story, it, there was a rich history of troll hunting with him and all the various details as they would as the documentarians would interview him throughout the film. He would tell various little tidbits about the trolls. It's like they, they totally filled out the universe. And, and one other thing I wanted to say about the character development in this, too, um, for those kids, I, I'm actually friends with a couple of documentary filmmakers. And a lot of times they'll be spending time filming a subject or, or these people following them around and spending all these hours not knowing if it's actually going to pay off or come together. And, and really that's what they were doing with him in the beginning. I thought that was a very, um, I guess, true to life type of thing because they're following this guy and then he didn't want to even interview with them. And then finally when they find out that he's like a troll hunter, they think he's nuts, of course. And so it's like, okay, well, here's an interesting element. So they're still like following and having faith that this film is going to show something interesting about this person. And I think that was a really true note that they struck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now that, uh, to me, that could be, uh, it raised a question with me about how easily he gave in to them filming and interviewing and just doing whatever. Yes, agreed. Um, Because... For the first part of the film, while they are pursuing him, he's like, go away, go away. No, I'm not doing anything. Go, leave me alone. But then it seems like very suddenly he has a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I I, don't know why that was. I mean, there there wasn't a particular event, anything that they said. It just kind of, they were, they were kind of there. And he's like... Well, okay, you can follow me, but the only stipulation is you got to do exactly what I say, and you can do whatever you want. And uh, that do whatever I say just pretty much was, you know, you have to rub this troll stink on you, which I love. <laughs> I love the troll stink. I could, I could only imagine how nasty that stuff was. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. What does he describe it? It's pretty much anything that you can squeeze out of a troll. And, then yes. <laughs> just, yeah. and it's slimy and hairy and, and weird. Oh, my uh, God. It's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, did you guys question that 
how easily he kind of had a change of heart there about them filming anything and everything. And maybe, I mean, there, he even realized the possibility of them showing this to the public in general. So was that weird? Yeah. Well, what, the way, what I did with that, because it was bothering me at first too, but then it almost seemed like he wanted this to be an expose. He almost got tired of, I don't know, the, the hiding. Uh, that's kind of what I was getting toward the end. It was a little bit ambiguous, but I, yeah, I think that he wanted the truth to be revealed through the documentary. Did anybody else pick that up? I agree with that. I think, and and I, again, I wrestled with that myself. I'm like, well, that was a quick change of heart. And then I thought, well, you know, on one hand, they're out in the woods with this guy. They've just been attacked along with him. Tomas was bitten. Um, you know, it's kind of difficult to ignore what's going on, you know. And so I'm like, well, maybe it's one of those sort of things. Like you just get thrown into a situation, then you just accept it. But then what – that still was kind of shaky for me. I still wasn't – I still hadn't reconciled with that. Um, but then what I init- what I eventually came to is that I feel like he was ready to be done, like he was ready to get out. It was obvious that there were a lot of things about what was going on that he does not agree with on a personal level. I think he's been doing this for so long that he's probably is sick of himself, you know, and especially when he made the little, he told the little story that I mentioned earlier about the having to go in and exterminate. And it, you know, it was obvious that it, you know, it weighed on his soul. And I think he had just come to a point where he didn't want to deal with it anymore. It kind of, now this is sort of a, this might seem like a silly comparison, but go with me here. Um, It uh, sort of reminded me of Tommy Lee Jones at the end of Men in Black. You know, like I've been doing this forever. I'm just, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. I want this to be, I just want to stop. You know, I'm my whole, this is, I've devoted my life to it and I'm done. And I think what he felt is that if it, if there was an expose, if there was, if the public was aware of what was going on, then his job would then become pretty much obsolete, at least in the capacity that it currently is. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I see that. (laughs) Yeah. I told you that was kind of silly. <laughs> no, it's not silly at all. It's it's a good comparison. I just, I see his position, though, um, being that it's confidential, it's a big government cover-up, and it doesn't officially exist. You know, to me, the consequences of him exposing this are mm-hmm. very are very severe. Um, right. And it was just hard for me to believe that he would do it that easily, because obviously, I mean— what I mean, he exposes this, and all of a sudden he's rubbed out. I mean, I could totally see, oh, you know, yeah. something, or he's uh, he's institutionalized, he's insane, something like that. Um, so I just I thought I, that I, I, he, I totally see that, you know. You know. And well, and then, then when the government comes rolling in at the end, or was that the you know those the big black trucks come in, and yeah. it was just like, uh oh, it was like more like a cleanup crew. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the Norwegian government is is like our government in that respect, because if that were here, I would be terrified. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if they're really that scary, but um, but yeah, I can totally see that. It may even be that he had come to terms with that. I mean, I also think of him as Quint in Jaws. Um, oh. That's also who you reminded me of, even with that, you know, yeah. he had the whole Indianapolis story and then he had this story. And I was just making Jaws is my favorite movie. Um, nice. of any genre. So um, I was just Good sitting thing. there making these comparisons through the whole thing. And, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I think it, it just seems like he was okay with whatever was about to happen. You know, at the end, he's just like, that road there will take you to town. I don't think he meant to come out of this alive. That's interesting. So he was okay with however it ended up. You know, that, it, that's what I'm, uh, well, that's what I'm pulling from it just because I don't yeah. know what else to pull from it. You know, I, mm-hmm. because they're very vague about that. It was never really said. So well, at the end, I'm you're right. I that. think, you know, at the end of the film without giving too much away about it, I mean, I could see there's, there's kind of this final standoff and he's, he's going to stay there until one thing or the other happens mm-hmm. and do as much as he can. So that's, uh, that's a great point. He'd kind of, yes. I think, brought himself to uh, to that point where he's like if i die that's okay yeah so that's jamie wow wow yeah <laughs> you guys are, you guys are so much smarter than me and you're just like <laughs> totally blowing my mind tonight yeah, right. on, on things this is well, great no wait i agree with i mean jamie that was awesome and in fact um you know that's something that's neat with this character is he seems like the type of guy to me because he at no point does he really seem afraid of the trolls and so i think that this particular character just probably uh, accepted the fact that he he may or may not potentially die from a troll. And I'm not revealing here whether he does or not, but I'm just saying he seems like that kind of guy who thinks that, well, in this line of work, I might actually get killed by a troll. Right. He has come to terms with that, I think. And that's pretty much the attitude that he takes. And he doesn't really, I mean, you know, you get the impression he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have anything that keeps him in one place. He's constantly traveling. You know, what is there, why not throw your work, your whole life into your work? That's, you know, that happens a lot frequently with less dangerous jobs, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, and when you have a job that is that potentially dangerous, I mean, it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that job to begin with. You know, right. not everyone is going to be, you know, working on an oil rig or be an ice road trucker or, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, name a dangerous job. Not everyone is cut out to do that sort of thing. Not everyone is cut out to be a troll hunter. And so I think if you go into a situation like that or you take that responsibility, there is a part of you that pretty much has to sign away your life knowing that you might not come out of any situation alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- I might be putting way too much into <laughs> No, to this troll hunter character too. No, that's I, what I do. That's what I do. No, I totally felt that, and I think that they they weaved it in very subtly. But uh, he was so he was so human, you know. He he was so um, dimensional to me because mm-hmm. I, they did it really really well. Um, I was throughout the entire movie feeling those things myself. Like this must be very lonely. Like does he have a family? Um, you know, what's going on with this guy? How does he keep doing what he's doing? And he has no companionship whatsoever. And there's a great little, little spark of something that happens in the middle of the movie with the scientist. And, uh, it's one of those, again, Jay, you said a (laughs) a Jim Halpert moment where (laughs) you know that the others kind of see this too, but we're just kind of given a taste of something that might be there and then it's not addressed again and and it leaves you wondering which i i love i thought they did it great but um it's while they're at this uh this laboratory where he delivers the blood sample to and there's a scientist and she's interviewed on camera as well and they go through this whole thing and then at the end i mean you can tell the whole time there's there's some kind of relationship between Mm. the troll hunter and the scientist and uh, there's something going on, especially the prolonged hug 
right before they leave, which mm-hmm. leads to that Jim Halpert moment. Um, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's something else there. There's there's some kind of story. And I, I kind of expected them to follow up on that a little bit, but it was never brought up again. What did you guys think of that? I, I know the moment that you're speaking of, and I, I I agree with you on that. And it just it, I thought it was kind of touching. It reminds me of, I don't know, I could write a whole story about this couple and about how you know maybe she does care for him so much, but she knows that his life is dangerous, and he knows that his life is dangerous. So they're really they can never be. And <laughs> so right. um, you know I get I sort of romanticize these things sometimes, and I go off in my head with my own little backstory. But you know it star-crossed it, lovers. <laughs> why, yes. No, why not? And and that's probably one of the few bits of human companionship that he ever has is when he gets to go see her. Um, you know, he can't, like I said before, he can't tell anyone about what he does. He pretty much lives a life of secrecy as far as his job is concerned, but she knows about it. So he can talk to her about these things. He can share these moments with her. And, um, you know, there probably is, and they've known each other for years. I'm sure that's the impression that I get, you know, from their familiarity. Um, so I don't know. I think that there probably was never anything full blown going on between the two of them, but I think that they have sort of an understanding and, um, probably there's a, there is an affection there that they likely never acted on, but you can see it bubbling under the surface. Just great chemistry with these actors. They did it, you know, an amazing job with that. Oh, absolutely. And the reason that I love that, that subtle scene so much is because it added a little more depth to his character I also love that they didn't explain it away. Like you said, Midnight Corey, I think that's very valuable in a film because how many people do we meet in the world? And we don't know their whole story. We only get a glimpse of them. And when you're with these characters for 90 minutes, of course there are going to be things left undone that you don't know about. But uh, my favorite aspect of this is look at this guy's life and his lifestyle. Here's a guy who goes out in the forest, in the woods at night, and by himself and seeks out these giant monsters. I mean, just looking at the woods themselves were creepy to me. And I'm like, I would never be in those woods alone. And let alone he knows there are monsters there and he's going after them. So I love the contrast there with that, uh, I guess, cold lifestyle versus this warm, subtle moment he has with this woman. It's like, oh, he is a real person and a superhero at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot tell you how much I am in love with this character. I there's so many there's so much depth to him in this small amount that we, the small amount of time that we get to spend with him. And and the actor I did I did not see his name. I feel so bad about that. I didn't I don't know his name, but I love him. <laughs> he was phenomenal. I do too and his voice I fell in love with his voice. I didn't understand a word he was saying. I was just reading, <laughs> you know, everything on the screen. But his, right. how deep it was and just, oh yeah, it was fantastic. Um, everything about him, great presence and great, great everything. So uh, in, his, in his delivery too, Corey, I mean, wasn't he just so um, matter of fact about everything? I mean, these kids, after they realize that the trolls are real, they're kind of freaking out. And he's like, yeah, you do this. Or you fight him with this. And then, that's the it's kind like... of that's the kind of man that you can tr- that you feel like you can trust, that you can put your trust in to protect you, to keep you safe. If I were with that guy in the woods or anywhere else, 
I can see myself completely giving myself over to him as far as like, you just tell me what to do <laughs> and I will do it. You will keep me safe. I trust you. You know, I want him around if there's a zombie apocalypse. Yes. You know, I want, this is the guy I want on my side because totally. I would just believe whatever he says and I would feel completely safe with him, you know, and uh, I guess again to romanticize it, it's like it's like that's the he's a he would be a fantastic leading man and you know in any role that and I kind of tend to be old fashioned when it comes to when it comes to men anyway and so it's like he his very old world you know he's very he's strong and independent and you know I don't know <laughs> he has a beard I mean yes yes yeah <laughs> Thumbs it up. He has a beard. Yes. <laughs> That's right. He's a man's man. He is a he is a man's man, and you, um, you know, he's and he takes control of the situation, and you kind of, you know, imagine if you're there with him, you'd kind of have to let him. You know, you wouldn't. Are you going to argue with that guy? I'm not arguing with that guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. No way. Um. So yeah, absolutely uh, brilliant. I I wish I did know that actor's name, but. Uh, Absolutely uh, awesome. Now, uh, let's turn to uh, the trolls. They offered a lot of explanation about the trolls, about uh, different characteristics of them, and why they turned to stone, you know, mm -hmm. in, in this UVB light, and uh, why they did they. We even found out why some of them have multiple heads, which I think was really cool. Because the first troll that we see, and I think it's awesome, it's a three-headed yeah. troll. And yeah. <laughs> uh, just the multiple heads thing is just just really, really cool. Um, but uh, I loved, you know, it, the troll hunter had a great story about even, you know, the troll that that swallowed its own tail and and <laughs> rolled down the hill, you know, like a wheel. And you <laughs> yeah. know, I just love that. So did you guys buy that? Uh, because obviously there's a lot of lore. And I talked about that earlier because there's a lot of history about trolls in this part of the world. And they wove a lot of this lore into there. Uh, did you guys think that worked? Did you think a, a lot of it was kind of far-fetched? Uh, you know, Jay, what did you think, man, of, of the explanations that they were giving for all these different crazy things with the trolls? Right, yeah. Most of it I thought was great. And, like, for example, at one point he said um, for a, a trap they were setting, you referred to some charcoal and stone or something i forget what the other element concrete, was i think yeah concrete yeah <laughs> and like they really didn't go into that and so like in those instances i'd be like yeah okay i guess trolls dig that you know i guess they're into that kind of thing but then like for example what you were talking about where where the uh, lady scientist gave an explanation of why they either explode or turn to stone um when she talked about why they exploded she tried to actually give this like faux scientific explanation and I actually kind of bought that and it's like well yeah I mean that sounds like that could work but yeah. then the one with stone I thought I thought that they were kind of like trying to squeak by it and it was um a little less convincing but I appreciated the fact that they they at least tried to give us an explanation for that one yeah yeah Jamie what do you think did you buy I, it? Uh, I agree with him completely as far as the, as far as her explanations. On the first one, I was like, okay. You know, on the second one, I was like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, but then I'm watching a movie about giant trolls. So I'm game. You know, um, and as far right. as them weaving the lore in, um, I thought it was 
pretty much seamless, you know, as far as, you know, there are some things that are believable in lore and there are some things that are not quite so believable. And they, they took those things and wove them in. And, and he even turns to them at some point and says, you know, fairy tales aren't always true. You know, so there are some things that you read in fairy tales that aren't true, but here are the things that are. And I thought it was kind of funny when I was watching it, my boyfriend walks in the room and he's like, oh, and it was during the part where he's talking about what trolls eat and how they're not very bright. And, you know, the whole, and then he goes into the story about the troll rolling down the hill and um and he sits down and he's and he, the guy had mentioned trolls eating rocks and he goes you know that's true trolls will eat anything and i was like <laughs> okay <laughs> and then he just gets up and walks back out and i'm like okay well i have a confirmation here that trolls eat rocks <laughs> but um otto jesperson by the way is the actor's name i looked that up so i just wanted oh, cool. to throw that in there cool yeah gotta give him props <laughs> um but it's interesting right. because i felt the whole time um, in Norway and where they made this, everybody just kind of knew the troll stories. You know, they, they grew up with these fairy tales um, mm-hmm. and American audiences might not have that frame of reference. And so I, I figured they were kind of coming from that and making some assumptions that you at least know a little bit about the legends of trolls, which is why I went and looked them up. And I'm like, oh, I got to find out more about this and see what people actually are telling stories about or they actually believe over there but uh yeah so i feel like you you kind of had to know a little bit to kind of get everything like uh the sunlight thing and um mm-hmm. you know how how certain trolls even they're they're the forest trolls versus the mountain trolls and they throw mm-hmm. rocks at each other you Love know that. which <laughs> Oh, their little battleground. Oh, Oh, this is something else fun that I thought was fun. Of course, he breezes into the room again. He does this. He just breezes in, drops the bomb, and then walks out. But um, (laughs) it was during the the bridge scene, and it's when he's setting up the the animals on the bridge. And uh, he walks in and sits down for a second. He goes, oh, three billy goats gruff. And I was like, huh? And then I looked, and there were three on the bridge. And, of course, there was a sheep, but one of them was a goat. And I don't remember if – I think there were two sheep and a goat um, or something. But I was like, ah, that's very clever. I'll bet that's exactly – you know, because wow. the troll was the troll was under the bridge, you know, and then he set up the three animals on the top, and I think that really was probably a subtle nod to that fairy tale. And then he just gets up and walks out. And I'm like, okay, thanks for that. Wow, <laughs> there are a lot of great but, little little tidbits. Like but this I mean, do that. you guys would you agree that that's probably on purpose? I mean, do you would you see that? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is uh, yeah. another thing that I it just slipped by me, and I didn't you know I didn't really pick up on. But uh, I remember was there. And uh, good call, Jamie. Nice. <laughs> well, it wasn't mine. I'm afraid I can't take credit for that. But, well, no, um, just, just making that just, connection, though. I mean, yeah. right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Jay, did you know yeah. that? Did you? No, I, I didn't pick up on that. So that's actually a really good catch. But and, and that's something that I think shows, I mean, the things that we're talking about with this film, a lot of thought went into this, I think. And, and it's a little, there's a little bit more to the surface than just like following around these trolls and and i really appreciate that in a film especially a found footage film because a lot of these as much as i love found footage films i have to say there usually isn't a whole lot of depth to them right and they well and and it's like he said earlier the medium doesn't always uh, lend itself to that which i think is true yeah and Mm -hmm. Um, but then, of course, you come in. There are situations where they just don't take the time to do it, and it's the filmmaker's fault. Um, but in this film, there are so many subtle nuances, so many just – such care was given when this film was being made all the way around that it's very noticeable, and I appreciate it so much. 
Me too. Me too. I think you're right. Um, the one other thing about the trolls that I'd like to bring up was the fact that they had such a reaction to Christians and Christian blood. You know, Christian blood. But yeah. you know, Hans had a bucket of Christian blood that he used to provoke the <laughs> trolls, and that was a big thing that he stressed throughout. He said, "Are any of you Christian? Do any of you believe in God or Jesus?" Um, and the whole crew, you know, had to had to swear that they didn't believe in any of that. They had to be basically atheists. And that's actually kind of a plot point uh, going throughout the movie. But so there's this whole supernatural element. I mean, these are more than just animals. They're more than just creatures. There's mm -hmm. something else about them that makes them evil. And they didn't try to explain it. They just brought up these things about Christians and mm -hmm. about the reaction. So, Jay, what did you, I mean, did you think anything about that? Did you draw anything from that? I mean, where did that, where did that yes. lead you? I always wonder in a, in a film when something like that comes in, if there was, like if the filmmakers and screenwriters were, and by the way, the, the writer, the director is um, Andre Overdahl. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but he also wrote it um, as well with, um, Havard as Johansson, but I wondered if they have like some kind of commentary where they've got an agenda, you know, like they want to try to say something about, I, I, I don't know. You know. I always wonder that, but maybe they were just trying to depict them as evil, like you said. Right. And that's kind of where I went with it. I'm like, yeah, I don't really see much of a commentary here, but it always makes me wonder. But with this, I, I do think it's neat how they made them mystical in, in, in the sense that they could actually perceive that. And they didn't just... Um, smell, you know, Christian blood, but they went nuts when they smelled it. They, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to destroy uh, wherever that was. So that was actually a really nice touch. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, did you, what did you think of all that? Well, that's not something that I was aware of coming into it. I thought it was kind of an interesting, it was an interesting thing to, I'd never heard that before. I was just like, you know, really, does that, did you come across anything about that when you were doing your research? Well, like, did, I, was there a mention of... Yeah, the only and thing... Trolls being anti-Christian? <laughs> well, that uh, only that they were not Christianized, that they were they were sort of creatures that had this level of awareness and, and a certain limited level of intelligence. Um, but they were not, I guess, uh, made available to the Christianized thing. So their souls were basically... They were basically soulless. You know, they had no hope. For any sort of redemption, if you know, again from the whole Christian worldview, um, so they were basically creatures that did have some kind of reason and did some, you know, they they were able to think to some extent, even though you know they're basically stupid, but uh, they had a little bit of that. <laughs> but were not Christianized beings, uh, you know, as humans are, are, mm -hmm. are seen, you know, in certain groups. So. Yeah, that was the only thing historically, at least according to Wikipedia, which we know is a hundred percent, you know, reliable <laughs> all, yes. all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, but, I can I can see where it would come from, uh, from from lore. I mean, I can see how it would have gotten woven into lore. You know, blood is 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 intrinsic to Christianity. You know, and on so many levels, it's you know very symbolic, and you know from you know the whole. G, you know, drinking Jesus's blood and and you know to a Christian 
having said they've been washed in the blood, you know, if they've been saved. I mean, it's just, it's all throughout. And so I can see how over, over time, something like that would be woven into the fabric of mythology like that. And it's just not something that I had ever heard before, but I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, it just gave them this whole evil supernatural thing that I thought was great. Uh, because again, they didn't they didn't try to explain it away, and it it wasn't really a, a big plot point. No, it was just matter of fact. It yeah. was just you know. And then when you know, at one point with the cameraman and and Tomas, it's like, why didn't he just say he was Christian? You know, <laughs> like right, it was right. just you know, why didn't he check yes on the form? You know, it was just very <laughs> matter of fact. Right. And right. I like that. I like the fact that it wasn't you know there wasn't a whole lot of hoopla about it. It just that was the way it was. You know, and and they they pretty much presented everything like that in this film, and that's what. You know, it's it's like they you may they may as well have been chasing sharks or you know big dogs or, you know something else that we know a lot about. You know, right, right. But wasn't it interesting that um, they eventually had to bring in a new camera person uh, towards <laughs> the end of the movie because the you know the first guy didn't make it, but she was Muslim. So you know, Jay, you you touched on where they maybe trying to say something. Did they have a, a certain commentary? So we see a Muslim here. Do you think that wove into this whole commentary, this possible commentary? Because they, they didn't go after the Muslim. Here. Right. So yeah. did you see anything in that? I, I know. It's like, okay, is there some kind of, um, I, I don't know, some kind of Al-Qaeda parallel or something where yeah. <laughs> the, the Christian the Christian filmmaker was um, attacked and, and, you know, they tried to kill them, but then the Muslim one wasn't wasn't I don't, I don't know like I, I do wonder about that but it's like I don't know it's kind of reaching I think to some extent in this movie at least because I, I'm not thinking that they provided enough to really draw a parallel but I do I am suspicious that the filmmakers had something in mind yeah I mean they made a point to mention it and to bring it up so I, I don't know but that's the beauty of this because you do get to draw a lot of your own conclusions and imagine maybe mm. what's happening here well another thing that that i always try to keep in mind when especially when i'm watching a foreign film is that i have no idea what's going on politically in norway you know right. as far as what they might be trying to to weave in something subtle you know it's their own political views but not you know not being from there not reading their news on a daily basis i don't I don't know what they could, they could be trying to say anything. And it's just with, um, for instance, let the right one in. Um, I know that that film got a lot of backlash from its own country for some of the stuff that it, that they put in the film. I didn't catch anything political in that film, but I'm not Swedish, you know? So, um, but they did, they received a lot of, and I believe that was why they refused to submit the film, uh, for, for the Oscars, because, you know, each country has to submit, a film to be considered for the Oscars and um, or in, in any film that is considered has to be submitted basically by another country. And they didn't. And I think that it was uh, partially because of what they had to say politically. And I didn't catch any of that. You know, it didn't mean anything to me because, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they were trying to say, but they were, you know, obviously they said something and I just missed it. So then when I was watching this, I'm like, well, they're obviously trying to say something, but I, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to leap to any conclusions because 
it could be something completely different, you know, but it is kind of interesting to, to then put it into the context of where I am and try to come to my own conclusions, you know, just because, you know, just something fun to think about. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to identify with this culture and, uh, what's going on there right now. And, um, I'm in the same boat as you, Jamie. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on in Norway and uh, even political things. I mean, you know, we have we have the character of Finn, who is the bureaucrat. He's the government guy who's kind of <laughs> the mediator between the troll hunter and the established government, the official government, the things that the public sees. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't know if they were trying to say something with him and, and everything. I, I, I just don't know. And. I don't know. I'm an American and I don't keep up with foreign things. You know, I'm, I'm so self-absorbed and stuff. I just, you know, are I, you, are you ethnocentric? Corey? I am. I am. And it's, it's totally, you know, I try not to be, I well, try we not are to be. the center of the universe here. You know that right? we're I the mean, only we thing that matters. Yeah. Everyone it's, else has to keep up with us. It's not our job to keep up with everyone else. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and of course we're being tongue in cheek here because of our cultural differences it is hard, though, and what you said about let, let the right one in, uh, that's actually really interesting um, because I can't think of anything in that film that was blatantly political or even, a, a you know, a, a cultural thing that would have raised that much backlash like that. Totally. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe there was something in this. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Great points, though. Great points. And uh, so uh, was there anything else? Did you guys see, you know, we're, we're bringing up a lot of positive things about this. We really, really like this. Um, mm -hmm. Now, was there anything other than, you know, the, the weird things that we already mentioned? Is there anything else that really bugged you about this that you think wasn't consistent with itself or that took you out of it? Was there anything at all? Jay, did you see anything, man? Yeah. Yeah, I did have a couple critiques for this film. Um even though I, I really loved it. Uh, for example, we know from the very beginning uh, what they read to us at the beginning titles there, what they show us, is that this is a rough cut. I think it was like 283 minutes of film material. And so this film ended up being a rough cut version of that material, and they show things in chronological order. But even so, I think that the pacing in this film is uh, a little problematic because... You know, we go, we kind of like go through this. And I don't want to say, I mean, if Bill Shetty were watching this, for example, <laughs> and I've heard him, I think I've heard him review this before, but I, I think that, and um, maybe, maybe I'm putting words in his mouth, but I think that he, a guy like Bill Shetty might be kind of bored by some of it. And even I got kind of bored. I'm, I'm a little more in the story typically than he is, but even I got kind of bored in places and then the action picks up and then it's like this troll sequence and then the the action dies down and it's like lots of just talking and wandering around and then it's like the action picks up. And so it keeps doing this cycle, but it really doesn't climb to, um, I, for the most part, it doesn't really climb like a typical movie does. And I think that part of the reason for that is that they wanted to still have a level of authenticity to it. Hmm. And had they done that, I guess it would have if they'd have made it a little more Hollywood-esque, where it's a little more exciting, a little more stimulating throughout, you know, then I think they would have lost some. It would be a little more contrived. I agree. But I also disagree in that I wasn't bored at all, because I think uh, what I was seeing was so fantastic. And it was so, like, I wanted to see more trolls, and I just wanted to, 
get onto and I never knew when I was going to come up with that. And I was very interested in this this hands guy and I wanted to know more mm-hmm. about him. So I I think that was all right. Jamie, did you see any other weak points in this? Anything that uh you think took you out of the film at all? Any any weaknesses at all? Um, you know, honestly, no. Like <laughs> I got nothing. I think for maybe couple of seconds you know after we had the trouble with the initial cameraman um and then the uh the other member of the team comes over and picks up the camera and i was just like "Eh." i mean i would think you know they probably should have taken a couple of minutes to mourn you know before they jump right back onto it that bothered me momentarily but i have to say one thing i did love about that was that they kept the crack in the camera lens Mm -hmm. um and for quite a while you know you're you're viewing you're viewing the movie through this cracked camera lens until they you know managed to work up a new camera um Mm. which i also thought was very quick i mean you know they had to wait for this other camera person to arrive on a train i didn't really see hans waiting around that long you know for them to get their ducks in a row um so maybe if I had to pick out weak points, it might be those right there, just sort of the transition from one camera person to another. But other than that, no, I didn't have any problems at all. I mean, I can understand where you're coming from, Jay, with, you know, uh, with the build or, or lack thereof. But I personally don't – I have a lot of patience when I'm watching movies and – so that sort of thing doesn't really bother me. I was enjoying the story so much and I was so into it that I didn't even really notice a lag time. I did I just it just didn't occur to me. So I can see where you know thinking back on it now, I can see that, but at the time it didn't bother me and I really just don't have anything negative. I enjoyed it throughout. Yeah, and and thank you for bringing up that lens um because uh it was not even like this fake kind of CGI sort of crack thing that they put on the screen i mean it, it was it was very real it was very yes. believable that lens was broken and uh, <laughs> right and they were filming through it so they did that really well but uh, as far as the negative things that i saw they were all just kind of plot things and i, I brought up one before about you know about hands just really I, I thought he was just giving in really easily to letting them film and do whatever they wanted to and show mm-hmm. whoever they wanted to so we already talked about that but I thought it was interesting. It was a great scene. They're sitting there in the restaurant, and he's just talking about trolls, just very openly talking about different kinds of trolls, experiences that he's had with trolls. And he's doing this very vocally in a restaurant that has, you know, a lot of people around him. And he, he's <laughs> yeah. talking about it like it's just something. So I thought that was a little peculiar that mm-hmm. he, he felt very comfortable in that setting giving that kind of information. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, also, how exactly did he get that bucket of blood? That bucket right. of Christian <laughs> blood. Where did that come from? That's probably, an excellent question. <laughs> probably a blood donor. I thought about that, hmm. too. And I'm like, well, there must have been like a Christian blood donor, you know, something like that. Because, yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> At first, I'm like. Uh oh, this raises more problems. You know, <laughs> that's a well, lot of blood. Awful. Yeah, it was awful fresh too. Exactly. To, you know, it wasn't it wasn't clotted at all. You know, and of course, you know there are anticoagulants that you could add, but you generally don't put those in a. I mean, they generally don't come in a bucket. Um, I, you know, it seemed very fresh, and I was often I wondered that myself. And that's also a lot of blood. I mean, you're right about that. That would have to come from more than one person. So I don't know. Is there like some sort of Christian blood bank that you know works for the troll hunter? division 
<laughs> it raises yeah. just a whole different thing. It brings up so many more stories in your head that, you know, you could come up with about what is going on here and uh, where's right. this guy getting this? But uh, and, and I wonder if it would work to just take like a, anybody's blood and then bless it. Would that work the same or does it have to actually come from someone who is already a Christian? That's interesting because uh, you could <laughs> weave the whole uh, and we didn't see any Catholicism in this. It was just straight Christian. You know, there was nothing inherent to a Catholicism type of element where we saw any blessed elements, any holy water, anything like that. It was just kind of a, a very broad, generic Christian thing. So, mm. but that is interesting. The only other thing, um, and I already talked about this, was that the troll hunter hands, you know, love this guy, but he was getting up there in years. And for the pounding that he took at the bridge, yeah, he seemed to recover awful quickly from <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, he was, <laughs> oh my God, you just have to see it to really it, it, get what what happened to this guy. I mean, you are broke. convinced that he's dead because he gets pounded and he is laying there still. And, yeah. And so I'm like, wow, he gets up from this and. He's talking, he's kind of okay, and he goes down and he does a few more things to kind of battle with this, you know, this troll. So <laughs> was that a little quick? Did you guys question that too? Did you catch that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, if you would, if, if a person would get slammed like that by a troll, I think it had been it broken just about every bone in his body. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Well, I say he obviously did not fail his saving throw in that situation. That was, you know, <laughs> a little geek reference. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but um, I thought he was broken. You know, when he mm -hmm. was on the ground, I'm like, oh, that dude is out. He is broken. You mm -hmm. know, because he was just laying in that sort of, and, you know, during the attack, he just sort of had that rag doll. You know, yeah. Um, you know, it just, it, he seemed to just flop, you know, like he was gone. And so he seemed to, he did seem to pop up pretty quickly. I didn't waste a lot, you know, a lot of time worrying about it when I was yeah. watching it though, just because it was, you know, exciting and, and I was into it. But, um, yeah, he's spry. Well, it's almost <laughs> that's like... some excellent armor, I guess. Cause didn't he, like, he took a, like, well, attempted to bite him. Yeah. And he I guess he could yeah. the, the armor, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> But he yeah. didn't even, you know, he didn't even, there was no talk about it even. And his armor right. didn't even really look dented or anything. You know, there were no bite marks in it anyway that now, I noticed. It's almost like he has been through this before. Right. And this is, it, it's just another thing. And he had the armor. And like you said, the armor just wasn't dented at all. So he kind of got up and did his thing. It's it's like, did you guys get that message where, you know, hey, oh, well, here I go again. You know, I just I'm in another battle with this troll. I've I've been here before, and right. you know. he takes it off, and he's like, "Here we go again." Yeah. You know, and again, my boyfriend walks in at that point when she's when he's like, "You know, be careful with that red button." He walks in, and he's like, "Oh, he's like, I'll bet the red button is for explosives." And he goes, "Oh yeah, see, like wrapped around his waist." And then he just looks uh, at me and goes, "Fail safe," and then walks out again. And wow. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so I guess. In case he ever did get picked up by a troll and he was getting eaten, then he had those, I don't know, in place to, to, to what, go ahead and make sure the troll was taken out, you know, even right. in his absence. Yeah. Um, well, even <laughs> Jamie, it sounds like your boyfriend might actually be an American troll hunter. 
Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he seems to know quite a bit about this. He just walks in the room and makes commentary that's right on the money, walks out. You know, it's hilarious. Have to- have to question him after this maybe there are things i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna start looking for the uvb gun <laughs> right yes but but that's something midnight query i think the listeners might be interested in knowing and it could potentially be a negative for some people i mean this is rated uh pg-13 i believe and really there's not a ton of um gore or violence i mean really this scene that we're talking about is probably the most violent scene and and so there's not a lot of in the way of like bloodletting and so forth yeah, yeah, that's a great point because even to uh, d- to bring that to more of a general topic here, a lot of people don't even classify this as horror. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this a lot um, because I think it's very subjective. I don't think people understand how subjective horror is to people. I don't think, you know, a lot of people have problems with accepting different opinions about horror than them. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, it's, right. it's, I don't have to say, but for the sake of the listeners, you know, it's, it's like, oh man, horror is, could possibly maybe be broader than what you know and accept as horror right now. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, this was a total horror movie. Looking throughout history, giant monster movies, you know, we see giant monsters in every decade, um, you know, starting clear back. You know, we have even Godzilla. We have the Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um, so many things. So this hearkened to so many of the classic horror movies that I like. And it kind of gave homage to it. And even, you know, a, a recent horror movie. And we already said it, you know, Cloverfield, a giant monster film. And so this just was totally horror to me. And it's hard for me to consider that this was not a horror movie. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, Jay, yeah, do you have problems <laughs> accepting this? I mean, do you see that? What do you What do you I, think? I'm usually the guy that gets ripped on the comment boards for calling certain things horror, like Frozen, for example, is one that comes to mind. But here's the thing: actually, with with Troll Hunter. If I were a video store owner, right, whatever those are, but if I actually own it and I had to like classify this in some kind of genre in my video store, I, I might actually put it in fantasy or thriller um, before I would put it in horror. I mean, I can see the horror elements in it, but even even me, the guy who calls things like frozen horror, um, it's a, it's a little bit more of a fantasy film or a thriller to me, but I can accept it as a horror film as well. Interesting. Yeah, I mean it it, it crosses <laughs> so many boundaries. I mean, I th- I think yes. I am I'm, I'm more scared by these things than I'm like, ooh, that's weird. That's something that I don't believe in. But wow, they're showing me in this movie, and it kind of works. <laughs> like, you know, I'm 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 honestly I'm scared by these creatures. I want to get the hell away from these things. Right, <laughs> you know, and I, I, it is so much more horror to me than anything else. I'm running away every time you see this. All you want to do is get away from it, you know. And <laughs> so I don't know, Jamie. What do you think? <laughs> um, let's see. What was that term you used with me, Jay? The dog pile. They <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're gonna dog pile on you. Get ready. <laughs> um, no. Uh, I, I agree with Corey on this one. Um, oh, I also want to say, by the way, that Frozen is a horror film, and that comes from Adam Green. 
that Thank he you. intended he intended that yes. film to be a horror film. So you're absolutely right in that situation. Um, however, <laughs> in this one, I have to say that I would call it horror too. I, I mean, I imagine, especially if you're Nor- Norwegian. It would be. I mean, these are things that are so – this is a Norwegian film, so it's based on Norwegian lore. What They they probably tell their children stories about trolls, you know, before they go to bed at night, you know, or when they're being bad. You know, if you're <laughs> – you know, if you don't act right, then I'm going to put you outside and the troll's going to come get you or whatever. I mean, just put it in the context of that. And I would say to them it probably really is a horror film. Um, I see it the same way. Because I just think they're, you know, terrifying creatures and they're very dangerous and scary. And, you know, I'm, I'm right there with Corey. I would be running away too. And, um, I, but see, I also, to me, Jaws is a horror film. I get a lot of, I get a lot of flack for that. Not a lot of people believe, or I guess not a lot, but I mean, a lot of people don't believe, don't categorize that as a horror film. I do. I mean, big, scary monster. That's, you know, that's basically what it is to me. It's a monster movie. It just happens to be underwater. I think alien is a monster movie that just happens to be in space, you know? Um, and you know, as far as like giant creatures, like with them, you know, that was an atomic age monster movie. You know, it's a horror film. That's the, I mean, that's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah. So what I about, Maven, Jamie, just a quick question. Yes. I'm just curious <laughs> on this. What about that film, The Ghost and the Darkness? What What would you call that, classify that as? Have you seen that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I love that movie. And, you know, that's tough. That's really tough. And um, I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> but I can I – can, I would probably call it a horror film. I know many people and men, honestly, to be – I don't really know a lot of women who who have given me their opinion about that film, but just uh-huh. about every man that I know who's seen that film has called it quote the scariest movie they've ever seen. Wow, really? And um, and that has come to me quite a few times, and that movie really worked its way into a lot of people's psyches. And I know several people that it kept them up at night. And um, oh, wow. so yeah, I can definitely see where that could be categorized as a horror film. Well, you're consistent then, because I was going to say, I mean, that's that's pretty parallel to Jaws as far as like a naturally occurring animal that's a little more ferocious, you know, preying upon people. But hey, I, I'm totally with it. I, I respect that, that you're consistent with those. Well, I also see, I mean, I can also see where um, something like Jurassic Park could be a horror film. Actually, I hmm. it's on my horror shelf. Because, I mean, even though it's not really scary, I mean, it's also very family friendly and, you know, there are kids in it and all that. Um, But, you know, big scary creatures. That's what, (laughs) there are big scary creatures. And when I don't know where to put it, I put it in horror. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I I totally got to see that now. You guys have uh, seen, what was that? The Ghost and the Darkness. Oh, that's an excellent film. It's about about two lions that uh, were preying on... Some a whole bunch of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, story, by the way, and those lions are now in museum. I'm going to see that now because I yep. I have not, and I I feel kind of left out here, and I don't know oh. what's going on, but <laughs> I got to see it. So thank you. No, thank you guys. That's awesome. I I mean I love you know when what? I would love to see what you think about it. Like I would love to see yeah. how you would characterize it after you watch it. Well, I'm... yeah, Midnight Corey, but um, let us know in the comment boards to this episode when you watch it. Like chime in and tell us what you thought. I will. I will. And thank you for bringing that up because I'm uh, I'm going to look it up now and see it. So awesome. Awesome. Well, oh, man. Can, can this... I just 
Oh, please, please go ahead. I'm so sorry. I no. just I had two more critiques, I guess. Um, yeah. I think there's a sequence where they end up inside of a troll lair, which was referred to earlier, where a bunch of trolls come back and they're kind of stuck inside. And I'm like, oh, when this was happening, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I was so pumped that this was getting ready to happen because I was ready for some serious suspense. <laughs> and I think they really could have milked that or capitalized on that. And it wasn't nearly, I mean, it was still a little suspenseful. It was a little bit scary. But I think they could have gone so much farther with that and done a lot more with it. So that was one thing that disappointed me a little bit. And the other thing is I wanted to see more trolls because they said in the film we learned that there are two kinds of trolls, mountain trolls and woodland trolls. And then there are subgroups in there. There's the Ringle Finch, which we get to see. There's the Tosser Lad, which we get to see. And then there's one called the Rhyme Tosser. The Mountain Kings, which we get to see. And then there's the Harding, which is out west, he says. But, but it's like I, I was hoping to see more trolls. And I think we only got to see, um, what, three of those subgroups. And I was like, oh, I'd like to see more. Jay, I just love you for being able to pick up on like all these things and, and talk about <laughs> them. Because it was like it was it was very quick for me, you know, the the whole mention of these different kinds of trolls and everything and I'm I'm just trying to keep up with it. But man. Wow. <laughs> I think we actually got to see four though, didn't we? There was uh, the yeah. the three-headed, the one under the bridge, the ones in the cave and then the big dude at the end. Um Oh and, yeah, that was the Jotnar. That's right. Right. Yeah. I do wow. see I I do agree with you about the 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 part in the cave that could have been there could have been a lot more to that instead the muppets just came in and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and um and boy did they go to sleep fast you know <laughs> and apparently yeah, they, they have apparently yeah. they have some bad gas issues um <laughs> i really would have liked to have seen i would cuz you know cuz i'm sitting there and i'm like oh how are they going to get out of this what are they going to do you know i was I had all these different scenarios playing in my mind and what actually happened is not one of them so um <laughs> i would yeah. have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, action you know from that scene but and I agree, they could have milked it. So that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. But I'm still not hating them for it. You yeah, know? I was expecting right. more from that that sequence because you see the, the trolls coming in and they're all scared and they go and hide and the trolls go to sleep very quickly. <laughs> and like, uh, Really quickly. Like, they took Ambien, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luesta. Yeah. And then you see the whole Christian blood element. The, the guy, he's like, oh, well, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I do believe in it, and I got to get out of here. And so, you know, I guess now that we're talking about it, what does happen in that aftermath is kind of anticlimactic to what you're expecting to see, because everything that you do see is from the perspective of the cameraman, mm-hmm. and it's kind of you. You don't see anything else. You don't see what the trolls are doing. You know, when the big chase gets on. I think so. perhaps that was their clever way of getting around having to show. Maybe they had, a, maybe there was a reason that they didn't want to put or more violence into the film or something, you know. And right. that was a way to get around showing that as having the person who was being, you know, attacked actually be the one holding the camera. Um, you know, also that also explained that why he was was spreading himself with all that troll stink because I was just like, yeah. wow, this guy's out of control. You know, <laughs> it was a very nervous thing. He was like, he was like, what can I do? What can I do? Let's get out of here. We got to do something. And he, yeah, yeah. See, and was... I thought he was just flipping out. Like I thought right. he just really couldn't handle right. it. But when he, you know, when he said, you know, finally that he was Christian, I thought, well, that 
that's really cool. I mean, it's just, it was an, it was an interesting revelation, yes. you know, after that, because I just figured I was just figured he was just a really nervous guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was really, really nervous and, and torn up at that point. Um, so after watching this movie, getting to the end, which again, we're not going to talk about, but do you guys predict a sequel? Especially, I mean, there's a lot of love for this movie. A lot of people really dig this, even though a lot of people don't say it's horror. But, uh, you know, it, it's generally, as far as I can tell, you know, people really like this. I really like this. And you guys obviously really like it. Do you mm-hmm. think there's going to be a sequel? Because I think that there could be. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Yeah, there definitely could be. I mean... Well, I used to I used to run a sequels podcast where that's what we talked about all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can pretty much do a sequel from almost anything. I mean, look at uh, case in point there. Uh, look at Alien 4. I mean, after Alien 3, you didn't have your lead character, but somehow they brought her back. So right. anyway, I hope they don't. As much as I love this film, I, I think that it's a special little movie in its own right. And I think that a sequel would kind of cheapen it. And I think they should just leave it as it is and just let it exist on its own. Hmm. I, I I like what you're saying, but do you think from kind of like a financial standpoint that uh, they would do that? I mean, I, I, again, I don't know, but I think that people liked it. So do you think it's likely that we're going to see well, a sequel? In order to do a sequel, they usually have to make it bigger and better. And and that was one problem that I felt with this film is it is pretty similar. Like every each scenario was kind of the same thing, even though we got to a really giant troll at the end. It, it was kind of the same thing over and over. So in order to do a sequel of this, I think they'd have to do something different. And in other words, make it bigger and therefore less realistic and less authentic looking. And I think that that would make it kind of silly. Jamie, what do you think? Do you think uh, we're going to see a part two of this well i can i can tell you that if this were an american film you straight up would oh yeah yeah (laughs) um that there's no question to that um i honestly don't know i i can see where coming from the the feedback that they've received that you know they it would be a smart move on the business sense for them i can see where they would think that from speaking as a fan I would really like to see it just stay as is. I don't I think that, you know, a follow-up story would have to be I think it'd be difficult to come up with a good follow-up story. And I really don't see it as being necessary. Sometimes I think films are just good. You know, just leave them alone. Let, let them stay the way they are. So, I really kind of hope they don't. But um I can see how it would happen just because when you get good feedback on a film, the the natural response is to do it again and to do it again and to do it again and mm-hmm. until it stops working. You know, you keep making them until the money stops flowing in. And uh, that generally seems to be the recipe. Right. I, I agree with you guys. I, I just, I, I see this and I just want to revel and just kind of soak in everything that this movie is and everything that this movie could be. Just thinking up all the stories and the subplots and everything that we talked about. Um, because it's a it's brilliant everything that they wove into this, um, and I hope that they don't make a sequel, um, but I expect that they will. 
um, even though I don't want it to be. Um, I think it's a it, it's a great movie to appreciate. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it over and over again. Do you guys want to put it in again? I mean, Jay, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to see this a second time? Does it have the rewatchability element? In, in- Yes, absolutely. And had I, um, if I had time this week, I would have watched it twice like you did. I'm definitely going to get my my wife to watch it because uh, uh, I, I think she'd just really enjoy it. And it is that kind of movie. It's a it's a fun, just a, a very unique movie to me. And, and one other thing on the sequel aspect, I think there is a, an open door for the sequel. And that's all the trolls that they named that they didn't show us. Mm. So that's definitely an open door. Yeah, yeah, good call, Jamie. Oh yeah, I'll watch it again. Um, I'll buy it. You know, no, no question. Um, I, there are actually several people I've already thought of that I want to show it to, and I would have no problem if I walked out in there right now and someone was like, "Hey, you watched this today? I wanted to see it." I'd sit down and go, "Okay, we'll watch <laughs> it right now." Because I, that's yeah, <laughs> I would proudly add this to my collection. Yeah, like I said, preparing for this show and after Movie Voyeur, you know, told me about this. I I watched it the first time. I couldn't wait to see it again. Like, I just wanted to experience this movie again. It it was that good. Um, So let's get to the ratings Uh, Mm -hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10. Jay, what do you think? I mean, for horror fans, horror fans, uh, what do you think? I'm glad you said that because that's what my rating is going to be based on is thinking about the, the listeners, you know, who are looking to us for a, a recommendation on this. And I'd say for the horror fans, I'm calling it a 7.5. And for me, that's a rental. And and the good news is this is currently streaming right now on Netflix. Watch instantly, yeah. you know, as we've said. So you can definitely just check it out right now if you want to. But the thing is, you know, it, I would call it a rental for your typical horror fan. But if you're just a, a cinephile, if you're a person who appreciates good cinema and you love the cinema like like I am, I also consider myself that too, as well as a horror fan, mm. then I would say buy it just to, if for nothing else to support a great little film like this. So, But anyway, for the horror fans, 7.5, uh, rent it. Interesting. Jamie, what do you think? That's difficult. I, I was I was all ready to rule um, until you brought up the horror fans thing. I'm like, oh, that's kind of imp- <laughs> that's a good point, you know, um, because there are people uh, obviously who don't think it's horror. So I'm gonna have to go with, you know, I'll stick with J seven point five. I think that makes a lot of sense. I will say though that that I would call that a rent before you buy because I would wager that a lot of people who rent this movie will end up buying it just because it's a really good film. I mean it's and then like he said if you're just a cinephile, I see no way around loving this one. I I have to recommend this super highly. Mm-hmm. And uh and it well for those who don't mind watching foreign films there's that group out there who doesn't enjoy foreign films. And obviously if they don't, if you have a problem with reading subtitles, then, you know, if you just don't enjoy reading subtitles, then, um, that would be an issue. So it's something to consider, but if you don't mind that, you know, and if you just like a good movie, then I say, go for it. Those are great ratings, but, uh, you know, I have to just kind of step it up. You know, I gotta say, (laughs) I mean, seriously, you, I mean, you know, and I, I totally respect you guys, but you're like, well, I'll rent it. Then you're probably going to buy it after you rent it because it's that good. I'm going to say, go and buy this movie. You got to watch this 
hands down. I think you will appreciate it uh, from so many standpoints, especially if you are a fan of the found footage sub, sub, sub genre, whatever, <laughs> then you are definitely going to love this movie. This, I'm going to venture to say that this is one of the best, if not the best, found footage film that I've ever seen. Uh, wow. It is very watchable. Um, it's very engaging. We have the character depth development that we see in not many of these found footage kind of films. It's very engaging. It uses CGI, you know, to a point where it kind of renews my faith in CGI. You know, yeah. whenever this technology is in the hands of capable, talented people, it is capable of so many great things that we see in this film. It's, it's a nine out of ten for me. Um, oh, yay. I agree with that totally on a personal level. I just didn't want to yeah. get yelled at. But, no, no, <laughs> by, absolutely. By people who don't think it's a horror film. But no, on a personal, yeah. like, the, you know, you asked me straight up. Just as you know, what I think of this movie, it is definitely a nine. I really can't find anything wrong with it. You know, the couple of things that we mentioned, I don't think are even that big of a deal. So, um, no, I love it. I yeah. really do love it. I, I mean, just, I know that there are pockets of people out there who wouldn't agree that it was a horror film, and I don't want them to be all, you know, well, you know, you said it was, you said it was scary. Um, <laughs> you know, going into that with the caveat that you, you know, you may or may not agree with this being a horror film. You know, that there's that. But I personally, it's nine. I love it. I love it. I would, this has yes. so much rewatchability. <laughs> and I would agree that it is right up there as one of the best found footage films. I would still, you know, put Wreck a notch above it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mainly because that movie scared the everything out of me. Um, <laughs> and it's zombies. I mean, you can't and, go wrong. Yeah, there. of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, but it's way up there, way up there. And if you just, and if you're going based on that subgenre alone, if you happen to let, you know, if you have a thing for found footage films, then this is a must see. Yeah, one of those films, yeah. it it pulls you right into. That. I call it a must own. <laughs> yeah, must own. I I can't wait to have this on my shelf. And it's one of those movies. And it's funny, you know, not a whole lot of horror movies um, are movies that you want to share with people that are close to you, with your family and your loved ones. You right. know, you got to kind of censor what you show them and how much you expose them to this whole genre that we love so sure. much. And uh, to me, I'm a family guy, total family guy, wife and a mm. son and everything. And this is a movie I would totally feel comfortable like watching with my little boy that's not very old. He could see this movie and it's scary enough that... You know, he he might kind of he might kind of you know have bad dreams about it and stuff, but it is not to that point where I think it's going to really scar him or uh, right. you know be you know there are no obscenity issues with this where you know there's there's no kind of sexual content to this whatsoever or any kind of things that I don't think he should see at at a really young age. But this is a very shareable horror film. Yes. You know, I'm yeah. glad to hear you say that. I am so glad to hear you say that. I hear people say, I grew up on horror. It was part of my life, my entire life. And it's just, it's, it would seem odd to me if it wasn't. And so, and I know people nowadays who are like, well, my son's 13. I figure he can start watching some of my movies now. And I'm like, 13? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you feel uncomfortable with some of the content of this, totally understandable, but just sort of ease him into it, you know? And I think yeah. this is, this is a good 
this is a good transition film, you know, if you right, want right. to see something, just start easing them into something that's a little bit more scary, you know, and, um, but still totally palatable for someone young. Yeah. And see, for the listeners, I think that that should be very insightful commentary there from you, from you both. And for me, too, I have a little boy, too, and I'm going to show it to him eventually, too, and probably in a few years, um, just because, you know, that tells the listeners that, yeah, it's not like super scary, super graphic, super gory or anything like that, but it is a fun movie. So, yeah, if you're, let's say you're having your nieces and nephews over on Halloween and you want to show them, and they're young, like I don't know what age, but they're just kind of young and you want to show them a, a creepy little film, then this is a fun one. I guess they'd have to be old enough to read at least, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you want to be acting out the subtitles for them. Right. Right. That'd be kind of fun. I kind of want to maybe do that sometime. That'd be, that'd be great. Hey, but it's Corey, story time. This story has moving pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Corey, I did want to say something about your uh, CGI comment, though. And, and I, I agree. I, I shouldn't have, uh, you know, swept over the CGI so quickly. It is well done. I do have to agree mm. with you there. And I think that if the creature design, if they were, a, I mean, they were cool looking. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I, the Muppet thing, they're just not quite menacing enough for me. And so, I mean, that's really not the fault of the CGI. But as far as the CGI goes, I think they looked uh, pretty convincing. Yeah, oh, that's a great point because the CGI itself was great. But um, the trolls themselves, as I said before, they held to tradition. You know, they held to certain artistic depictions of trolls that we've seen throughout history. So while, yeah, the big nose, the floppy hair, the kind of Muppetish kind of kind mm-hmm. of thing was maybe a little bit of a, a goofy kind of a turnoff to us, I think it really stuck true to the tradition that mm-hmm. the you know that these Norwegian uh, people happened to grow up with. And again, it, it just might be a cultural thing. I mean, maybe maybe people in Norway were seeing this and shitting their pants. <laughs> you know, I, I, seriously. True. See, that's true. It yeah. Could be totally different. You know. Yeah. If you show it to a friend, you know, a friend who just happens to be of Norwegian background, and they start freaking out and running out of the room, then you'll go, "Wow, <laughs> serious <Yeah>. stuff." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, this is this is a lot of fun talking with you about this and uh you know i hope that people will go out and see this because i think it is a a very worthy horror film and yes it is horror uh, despite (laughs) anything that you might hear so give it a shot (laughs) jay man thank you for joining me again this is a lot of fun and i hope you're gonna show up again on the show oh my pleasure absolutely i'd love to i'd totally love to anytime anytime you want let me know i mean this is it's good to talk with you again, Corey, because we, we've had some great fun on the Weekly Horror Movie Podcast, and I, I have genuinely missed that a ton. Thank you. Thank you. That uh, that means a lot. And uh, uh, Jamie, again, devouring the podcast. Wow. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank you again and uh, for your time and, and being able to uh, do this. Let's call it a night here, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll, uh, we'll we'll do this again soon. Especially with Day of the Dead, we do have a plan. For oh, Day please, of the Dead. yes, mm-hmm. yes, I want to do that. Are you ready totally. for for comparing the new with the old? 
Are you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do awesome. it. Awesome. I can't wait. Thank you again, and uh, you'll be hearing from all of us again here very soon. Good night, guys. I say every house in America should have an electric chair. And every man just once in his life should sit in it, just so that he can feel the power of millions of gallons of electricity flow through his veins. I got an electric chair. That's all I need. You get an electric chair, Sheldon, you don't have to worry about the audience. You get an electric chair, you can tell them anything you want, as long as it's real. You get yourself an electric chair, and it'll sit there all night long. Kind of a funny idea, sitting in an electric chair and doing a show. Well, think of the therapeutic value of an electric chair, and all the money it is. Yes, uh, an electric chair in every home. The Electric Chair, a show about horror. Electricchairshow.com Electric Chair. Man, another really, really fun show. I appreciate people coming on and talking with me. It was just great. Got to thank Dana Fredsty, of course. Go pick up Plague Town and uh, find out more about her. She's a fascinating, fascinating person, as you could tell. Uh, Got to thank Tara Tovey, Jay the Dead, Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Um, Check all those guys out and uh, what they got going on. But I had a lot of fun. And uh, boy, yeah, next week got a lot of other great things for you, but uh, that's all I got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Leave me feedback, of course, electrichairshow.com, twitter.com slash electrichairshow, facebook.com slash electrichairshow, and of course, midnightcory.com. Thanks once again for listening, and join me again next week for another edition of The Electric Chair.
to my bone It's time to head home Knowing all maybe I would kill Got down on my knees and I prayed Close at my side did she stay in her heart no more pulling that car 